bitches of the boy. This is Rose. Oh, and I'm Jess. I'm Brody. And this is one frame off. Sorry, I thought you were about to jump straight into the introduction right there. Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if you had like something like really elaborate planned. No. Nope. Nope. We never do. Just our, <laughs> just our void babies. You void babies. I love that. <laughs> It reminds me of, like, void eggs and void chickens from Stardew Valley. Oh, my God. Right? I have not played that game. No, I started it. I started playing Stardew Valley. It's mm-hmm. not It's not as fun. Oh, That's my true. God. It looks like more work stop, than fun. Stop it now, guys. Stardew Valley is amazing. I, pl- I go th- at least once a year. I spend a good three to four months just playing it nonstop. Well, I think it's well established that I don't particularly... I'm not very fond of games like that because I'm not a big fan of Animal Crossing. I'm not big on Stardew Valley. Yeah, I was about to say like it. It sounds like you would definitely like it because you're you you play like The Sims like twenty four seven. Yeah, I do. Yes, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm big into simulation games, but it's it's different than that. It it's like uh, it can, it's a dungeon crawling game. It's a crafting game. It's even a dating sim like. There's a ton of different other stuff to do. There's fishing. There's collecting. Uh, there is an end game. Like the crafting. game does end after three years. Crafting. It's not mining it's, and crafting. Yeah, Minecraft. I, I, Brody, you were playing Minecraft last night. I saw on my Switch. Well, now <laughs> everyone knows. God <laughs> damn it. I was oh like, oh, nice. Brody switched it up because it's usually Smash Bros. or Animal Crossing. <laughs> Look, I'm just gonna say they made a new update where it the where the ceiling is higher and the floor is lower. And it completely rechanges the landscape. It's a whole new Minecraft, baby. Yeah, it's I Minecraft. Love Minecraft. We should all get on a server didn't, together. Didn't it's so much fun. Yeah. Didn't they add a few new biomes as well? Yeah, they did. They they made some weird stuff. First of all, like the mountains are like snowy top mountains, which yeah. is cool. But I'm sure. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm like I I haven't played Minecraft in forever. I didn't know they didn't have snow caps. I just built giant farms. Um, mm. they had, they kind of had snow caps before, but it wasn't as to. When Brody says like they made the ceiling higher, there is a certain number of like Minecraft blocks upwards, right? Upwards extended and get. lower, upper yeah. and lower, yeah. So mm-hmm. they can actually have a proper snow cap mountain range now. They also made it so that way, like underground cliffs are like way bigger underground cliffs and chasms that you have to go through. Did it's they not, change huh. anything in the end? I I've never been to the end. I, I haven't either. I have never in a survival game just made it to the end. Really? Yeah. What about the Nether? Do you know? Oh, I mean, like I always go to the Nether. Nether. I've never easy. been to the Nether. <laughs> never been to the Nether? No, I'm like too afraid to. It's not that bad. So long as you even don't the the Enderman. No, I I, I take that back. The, the the Nether has gotten scarier. Has it? Yeah, they added biomes in there. They added oh. little things that like crawl through lava. They made they made crawl like through lava. You heard me. You <laughs> <laughs> What? They made uh actual like warrior pigmen. There used to be just like the zombie pig people, yeah, but now I heard about that. But you can trade with them, so they're kind of cool. I you like them. You can still trade with them? Yeah, they're buds. Okay. Just throw them some gold and they'll give you something. I need I need to explain that my hesitation is like I'm just afraid of losing all my stuff. Well, that's why you get an ender chest. 
And you can just turn that off. So basically, you oh, can, I can. Turn, yeah, it, so it's like one of the menu settings. You can turn it off so that way you keep your inventory when you die. It's seen as a big weenie move, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. That I, I would be more um, into exploring more, but like, I, I is it a weenie move? I don't know. It just it saves you a lot of time. Well, here's the I, other I don't thing. Know. You can do an ender chest, which is basically you have a set of chests. You put it in one location. You put chest A in one location. You can carry chest B around with you. Does so, an ender chest connect to all other ender chests? No, it just connects to the set that you made. It's like a vanishing cabinet yeah. for all of my Harry Potter bros and sisses. Yeah, so you can you can do that. You can carry around an ender chest. So if you die, you lose like if you die and lose ender chest B, it doesn't mean you lost everything because it'll be in ender, ender chest, chest A. A. Yes, but if it has a very limited amount of space, though, are they so, difficult to craft? No. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Craft, yes. Gathering the material. Crafting, no. Gathering the materials, yes. Well, I mean, like, crafting and I mean. anything is... that. Yeah, you just described all of Minecraft. You don't actually put effort into crafting. It's getting everything. Yeah. yeah. So when Jess is like, is it hard to craft? No, of course it's not. It's yeah, you just put it on... You have to get everything else for it. <laughs> all right, well... <laughs> <laughs> I will, if I play again, I'll do like Brody and just turn off the uh, losing inventory when you die thing. It'll and please do it on the Switch so we can all have a little neighborhood. Do you, do I would like that. I love, love building, yeah, yeah. I love building giant farms and having lots of pigs and, and dogs. Well, they're wolves, nice. but I call them dogs. Well, well you, I mean, you can train them. Yeah. yeah. You can have And then they're just puppies. Yeah. I've never gotten a horse or like the donkey though. Ooh, horses are fun. Yeah, I've never done that. Well, sometimes I, I spawn on biomes that don't have them. Mm -hmm. Or I haven't found them. You have to like go pretty far in that case. Sometimes, also, sometimes they're right there when you spawn though. So sometimes. Yeah, yeah, sometimes not they're always. right there. Also, bees. They have oh bees, God, bees. They have yes. bees in Minecraft. We can big, I was watching big, much fat, like my fuzzy Animal bees. Crossing village, we can have a shrine to Nicolas Cage and the Wicker Man. Yes. <laughs> not okay. the bees. Guys, uh. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was watching Tebow's stream. Who? <laughs> what stream? Tebow's stream? No. Okay. He's a Dream SMP Minecraft streamer. Uh-huh. I was watching his stream when the um, bees was announced. <laughs> when the bees updates. And was like announced and everything. I'm just every if you know, you know why I'm dying. You'll have to send me a link or something. Yeah, you'll have to send us a link. I'm very confused. He doesn't really. Uh, I'll I'll send them more information. But Tebo yeah. loves bees. Well, they're wonderful. Uh, they do amazing work for us. Well, I, I like mean, bees. yeah, in the ecosystem at large. Well, we'll talk more. We'll talk more off stream about it. But I was dying. Right. I just like I just happened to be watching Tubbo's stream when the announcement was, "Ah, oh, yes, we're adding bees to Minecraft." I died. <laughs> Before we get to our main topic, I just want to get off Minecraft. Uh, this is the third episode in a row. We're we're gonna talk about Hawkeye. Oh lordy! Okay, I haven't watched it. However, I've seen a lot about it. So Brody, mm -hmm. yep, I have one question. Okay. In the first two episodes, the musical Rogers, right? And then we had the LARPing. Mm -hmm. Those were the highlights of the episodes. Yeah. What highlight do we get on this one? I think, like, there's a very specific one that everyone likes, but mine that I like is that they go right into a car scene and then they have a big one take wall just shooting in a car chase. And I'm just sitting there for like five minutes waiting for them to do a cut and they don't. They it's, go. 
a single take. It's a big I single take. Yeah. I'm sure I there's I'm sure there's like a, a million like invisible cuts because there always are. Yeah, but like to do But if you've ever that. seen Children of Men and you know that big Oh, car- such a good movie. Oh, you know that big long take? It's a lot like that. I've only seen Children of Men once. It's like it's like that big broad thing, a lot of traffic going down, a lot of fights, a lot of cool shit. You think it's just like some dude in the back seat with like a spinning gimbal or whatever, but you realize no, this is actually like going in and out of the car and shit like that. So that whole scene was really dope. And I think the only thing that really impressed me about Hawkeye and realizing that, yeah, this guy actually does have better technology than just fucking bows and arrows like they've had for the past 2,000 years. He had a Pym arrow. Oh, my God. Jess, I know you don't know the MCU, but you you know what the Pym particle and the Pym stuff is, it's right? It's what Ant-Man uses. Yeah, so he, has, so he has a Pym arrow... And he, he can he shoots another arrow with it and turns it into a giant arrow oh that God. gets shot at and shot at some goons. I Yo. mean that's awesome, but where was that? <laughs> I don't know. He he was saving it for just the right occasion. I do oh, like yeah, yeah. Thanos, not the right occasion, but well, you don't want a bigger Thanos. Well, I actually that would be make Thanos smaller. To be fair, though, that would be adorable. Hold on. <laughs> I want to point this out. I love. I am inevitable. Shows. Yeah. <laughs> Kid, is there any way that you can um, heighten your voice? Uh, I'll probably do it in post. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes. Run from it. It all comes the same. I am inevitable. You should have gone for the head. <laughs> Rose has it covered already. <laughs> Born for that role. Yes. Tiny Thanos. Tiny Thanos. Tiny Thanos. And today, the t- role of Tiny Thanos will be played by Rose Nightingale. Yes. <laughs> I gotta say, though, that just shows his relationship, though, with Scott Lang. Yeah, so, they were... the fact uh, that he has an arrow like that... They were on the same team in Civil War, right? I don't know. I vaguely... Yeah, right? Because, like, he shot the arrow with yes. him, and he called him Thumbelina, right? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Well, I yeah. Well, whatever. I just wanted to get that out of the way so we can stop talking so about Hawkeye for talk, a little bit. Yeah. But it's like third episode. We gotta, we gotta yeah. talk about it. No more dump, dump, no more big exposition dumps. It's all just Hawkeye content I now. I love that, though. I love that show. Starting to show his relationship with the other Avengers. That's so it is getting better, show. is what you guys are saying. It is getting better. Okay, yeah. so it might end up being a great show. Maybe. A ton, tons of shows don't be. really pick up until the, the fourth or fifth episode. We'll see, we'll see, because it could pull. Uh, Mad Men Wanda- comes to mind for me, and that's Mad one of my Men, that's one of my favorite Wanda- shows of all time. Yeah, it could pull a one division where it's like eh, the first two or three episodes, and then just dives right off the deep end. I completely disagree. I think like the I think the later it gets with WandaVision, the worse it gets. Really? Yeah. You like the first two episodes? I love the first two episodes. Well, because the appeal for Brody is like the the quintessential like like you know yeah happy yeah. world sitcom mm-hmm. production design, and then later it just turns into Marvel. Yeah, and then it yeah. turns into it like, turns into what we've been seeing for the past ten years, as yeah. opposed to and like I realize now that that's a bad argument because it's literally something we saw like fucking in the fifties. <laughs> So well, I love Lucy. Still holds up wonderfully. Oh, oh I yeah, watch that. It's always fantastic to watch. Mm-hmm. I love her husband. 
in I Love Lucy. I really do. I don't remember his Ricky name. Ricardo. I don't Is remember it? his real name. Yeah, I love In the it. show, it's Ricky Ricardo. I That's such it. an old Hollywood name. Well, I mean, he was... It was old Hollywood. God, I can't yeah. believe I can't remember his, his day. He is Cuban, yeah. Yeah, he was Cuban at the time. And it was kind of... What happened? <laughs> at the time. <laughs> what happened that made him yeah, not yeah, Cuban yeah, anymore? Yeah, that well, made him not Cuban anymore. Time, let me, I'm trying to like get Desi Arnaz is his name. I didn't even have to Desi Google it. As soon Arnaz. as I Googled his name, I was like... Or Lucille Desi Ball. Arnaz. I was like... No, because at the time, it was kind of... Hollywood was not quite happy with I Love Lucy because she was because she was married to him and US relations with Cuba at the time were not great. Right. Still aren't. And the fact that he was of a different ethnicity as her was also kind of like taboo for Hollywood. So to have I Love Lucy and have like this positive, supportive male character role mm-hmm. was also just shocking as it was revolutionary for Hollywood. The bar used to be so low for yes. shocking the world. And for men. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Real quick, I have a jawbreaker with you. Yes, like so an actual freaking jawbreaker. It's like, yeah, it's a la Ed, Ed, and Nettie. A la yeah. Ed, Ed, and Nettie. Oh. Just like Ed, Ed, and Nettie. Yeah. yeah. It's like a big-ass white. It's Oh my god, I love it. Rose no. has it wrapped in saran wrap and is taking periodic licks. You're it's really like, humorous. How else am I supposed to eat this? You what shove it in you your mean? whole mouth, just like Ed and Nettie. No. And you walk around I like eat, a chipmunk. I can't fit this in my mouth. Nick. So then why do they make them? That so big, dumb. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't you, know. You, Rose I has found small. a way to consume it, though. You're just I licking have... it and then putting it back in your pocket for later. <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> no, it's not. It's wrapped in saran wrap. It's saran wrap. It's locking in the germs. Brody, what do you want me to come do? Come on. What germs? Shove it in your whole mouth like Ed, Ed, and Eddie. I can't talk. It's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's bigger than my jaw. You have to realize. Oh, I'm that's why I can unhinge my jaw like a snake. You guys have to realize so I am five foot one and a half feet tall. I am less than, what, 115 pounds? Oh, very well, good for you. No, I, am <laughs> the, I am so fucking tiny. I came out of the womb at 115. Fighting. Ready to punch you. a doctor in the face. Yes. Go for it. Yeah. I will fight you. <laughs> I'll fight with you, Jess. No, I'm not going to fight her, but I will fight with her. I'm, yeah. I'm built like a fucking NFL linebacker. The, the delivery you? room, you're just in there like, ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 6'1". Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah, ask me how much I weigh. Yeah, don't ask me how much I weigh. I'm 5'7". <laughs> just for height differentiation, I'm the tiniest person you'll ever meet. I mean, in this room, definitely. In, in this room, like, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the tiniest people you may ever meet. You are very small. I'm entirely small. But you're not so, too small for the world. So, to expect me to be able to fit this jawbreaker in my mouth... Some small people have giant heads, though. Yeah. I am not one of them. No. <laughs> <laughs> It would be funny if you were. <laughs> a head-to-jaw ratio there that you could definitely get a jawbreaker in one of those. Um, guys, what are we drinking today? <laughs> we're definitely Jess consuming. Is, Jess is like, okay, we're done with the jawbreaker. No, I mean, here's the thing is I can go on and on just poking fun of you about this jawbreaker. And I, it is two episodes ago that I brought up that Rose really is the real-life Buddy the Elf, and I feel like this just cements that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what we're consuming... 
I got a Southern Tier pack, and I got the New Haze from them. It's Southern like, Tier is wonderful. I, I like love them. their dessert series. Oh my god, they had like a that I once had on draft. It was a the creme brulee yeah, nitro. Yeah, creme brulee nitro. Oh my god, it was like melted ice cream, but in the best way possible. I um I really like their cinnamon roll ale. <laughs> Brody heard that. It's not for you, Rose. No, it is not. Hey, Even though um, it definitely should be. Talk about what cider Rose is drinking at the bar, guys. Did you try all the wicked weeds we had? Yes. The um the milk and cookies. The s'mores. The s'mores, the German chocolate cake, but especially that espresso cheesecake stout is amazing. That sounds like something that you wouldn't think works, and I still haven't tried the it. Cheesecake flavor's not there, but the espresso flavor, I mean... I it, definitely it, fuck with espresso, Oh, then. yeah. It, Brody, it next time you're there, you gotta try it if it's still on tap. It, it's so it good. It will be. Rose, what are you drinking? Um... New England IPA. No, cider. The cider, damn it. Oh my god, hell will freeze over before Rose is casually drinking a New England IPA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back with my artifacts, naturally. No new friends. My cranberry. Naturally, too. No new friends. No job. I've got all the people I need. Yeah. Where? Where? Really, Brody? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Josh. Oh, and, we just, and, she, and they just moved someone off the list. Well. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I'm drinking, um, I had this on the last episode. Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain. I'm back with the Highland Cold Mountain. I still have a few of these left. Despite how much it sounds like I drink, it's actually a lot of effort for me to go through a six pack of the same beer. Yeah. I think for the most part, like, I know, like, we always say, like, hey, we're drinking on the podcast and we're making a point of it. I wouldn't really say we all really drink like that, though. No, I really don't. Everyone thinks I drink a lot because, like, when I do go out, I I do go hard. I like to have fun, and I like to drink to unwind, but, like, I maybe drink, like, once a week, Mm -hmm. if that much. And And only socially when I go out. And I told Jess earlier that, like, my tummy just won't allow me to, like, go hard on alcohol. Like, I will feel really sick before I feel really drunk. Hmm. Honestly, like... More power to you. That's for the best. Yeah. I have to watch out and actually, like, li- personally limit the amount of alcohol I have. Thing is, I don't drink that often, but when I do, I have to be aware of how much I drink. Oh, um, man. If I hit at least five beers, there's nothing go- There's nothing stopping me after that. I'm just going to keep going until I fall unstoppable asleep. Unstoppable force. Really, no, really. It's like a fucking hurricane. <laughs> I'm just going to drink until I'm done. But I think, like, we started doing it because we are first-time podcasters. We figured, hey, wouldn't it be cool to just loosen up also, a little bit? Also, to be fair, we're always t- having these <coughs> conversations at the bar with at least one of us over a beer. Yeah, well, yeah. it loosens us up, but we also... Um, really enjoy craft beer and craft cider in general. And I think North Carolina or craft does it. Liquor. Or craft liquor. Yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, Brody does the mm-hmm. craft liquor. Um, yeah, we just enjoy it. I, I don't know what else to say. I think North Carolina um, has the, a great selection, yeah. more so than other states. So I that's my New England states. Keep on at it. Your ciders are great. So that's what we are. Three cool friends drinking... <laughs> Drinking some beers, and for this episode, talking about cartoons. We are children. We are we we're we're we're, we're big kids. I have never <laughs> matured past the age of fifteen, is what I always say. Like, yeah. yeah, I pay my taxes, but I also will play with a slinky if it's available. Oh my so. god! <laughs> we are, we're collectively in a big arrest development. I 
think we are as a culture, but yeah, that's yeah. for another episode. That, mm-hmm. I'll write that down. You don't have that on the list yet. <laughs> Rose is always the bureaucrat. The we have an episode of Arrested Development, and then we actually talk about the society that we live in. Yeah, we are going to deep dive into Arrested Development. Um, that would be fun. I will need no prep for this. I've seen the series all the way through yeah. at least four times. But I, but our main topic, we just realized oh, that yeah, there are sorry, a lot guys. of good cartoon shows, and we all grew up like mid-2000s, early 90s, when we people would say is the golden era of cartoons. And to this day, there. for Rebecca Sugar, we love you. She's the platinum era. Yeah, plat- well, what I was just going to say is... I, I overall, it's a golden era, but man, they're making some shit right now that is just oh, there's always gonna, chef's kiss. Yeah, yeah. Well, like there is always yeah. going to be the stuff that's like, th- like they're always going to make cartoons that are like that's like some dumb baby shit. Yeah, like Teen Titans Go. Yeah, I've never seen it. As opposed to the re- actual uh, Teen Titans, yeah. which you can enjoy even as a grown person. So yeah, today we're talking about some. We're gonna really highlight three cartoons. That you can that we want to talk about that you can enjoy as an adult. Yeah, we'll have some honorable mentions like mm-hmm. with your children as well. Yeah, yeah, even with your kids. Yeah, uh, like Teen Titans. Um, honorable mention. What else? Teen Titans have? honorable mention is a good one. We're not touching Adventure Time or Steven Universe right now because we have a Rebecca Sugar centric episode later. And I know Rebecca Sugar didn't create Adventure Time, but she did she help did. create a lot of the wonderful music for it. She mm-hmm. had a lot of. Yeah, yeah, she had a lot of influence. I know it's Pendleton Ward, but... Uh, I will still say that Scooby-Doo. Well, yeah. I mean, like, everyone's enjoyed Scooby-Doo. Yeah, everyone's that's enjoyed Scooby-Doo. That's, that's like, what, since the 70s? About. Oh, yeah, like, whenever Hanna-Barrera was at his peak. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, my dad watched Scooby-Doo when he was a kid. Yeah. So we, uh, Different that. topic, but Studio Ghibli movies are definitely, Obviously. like, visually, like, very fun so like any kid or adult can enjoy that studio ghibli too uh just quick side note what a great vehicle to get people into anime that would normally never watch it Mm -hmm. that's what it's done like for my sisters that normally weren't that into anime uh but they will watch any studio ghibli movie (laughs) just a testament to how good it is but you know we can go on and on about that and we just have like three ones that we really want to deep dive into and i think uh First one we talk about want to talk about is something that we've mentioned on the show before. Uh, Rose, what do we got? We've got Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, that one. One of the like that one's just an all around amazing series. Mm-hmm. We're not going to talk about Legend of Korra because, quite frankly, I don't like it. So fuck Korra. It's not quite as mature with its themes as the original and Avatar. It's not is. as developed either. That's it very true. Have a lot of development for the side characters. I know a lot of the time the side characters for specifically I'm thinking about the Cabbage Man. He's used constantly as a comedic side character mm-hmm. or just, you know Do you remember on. in Legend of Korra where it's like they had to bring down some big CEO of Cabbage Corp and it's uh, like no my Cabbage Corporation it's like, eh, it's mm-hmm. not funny not yeah, funny. It's not funny. It doesn't it just seems like so shallow. Yeah, and it also feels a bit. It feels a bit rushed too, like technology, technologically wise as well. Because mm-hmm. we have like massive developed cities, whereas just in, within Korra's lifetime, that Aang kind of built up. But when we see Avatar: The Last Airbender, we see these tiny. Almost kind of like city states, metropolises. Metropolis, yeah, those kind of you know situations. Yeah. 
So to have that and suddenly go boom, industrial revolution, it's like mm-hmm. it's a bit of a reach for me. I've heard that. Com- I've heard that from a lot of people, and I'm yeah. not really super like hardcore on one side either way. I'll just say, though, like the whole point of the Cabbage Man joke was sort of like the trope that there's always a fruit stand for someone to crash into yeah. in a car chase. And, and this man's just out he here just with cabbages. Be, they kind of missed the joke there. and like it. But anyways, that's not one of the more important things. There's more no. adult stuff going on than a goofy man who's upset about his produce. <laughs> no, we're actually, I really wanted to talk about um, Zuko, one of the mm-hmm. main antagonists of the show yeah zuko specifically being like one of the most i would definitely personally i would say like when i i I watched the kid like super religiously as a kid and i think i was like 11 when it first came out so that's like perfect for me yeah like i'm just above the baby shit but still in the cartoon realm Mm -hmm. so just to see that i really like really grabbed onto it and then uh i think uh, early uh pandemic uh avatar last standard banner came on to netflix and then everyone was watching that again. I think that yeah. became like the number one thing on uh, because like everyone had time to watch what is known as one of the greatest animated shows ever. And the thing that really stuck with me there that I never really picked up on is how Aang and Zuko are just these two foil characters who are circling around the same destiny in different ways. And I really love how that show highlights that as well. Jess, have you ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender? Um, I, I know we have, talked about it. but I didn't finish it. So here's my thing. I watched it for the first time as a 31-year-old. Okay. And everyone tells you, like, this is the most amazing fucking show you're ever going to see. Like, it's so wonderful. Um, and I... First season was really hard to get through for me. Was, and, I, and I understand it that it is world building, it's exposition, it's character building, and there, you know, and it is a children's show, and I understand that. Uh, my husband loved it. He watched all of it. Yeah. I, I had a really hard time getting into it. It's not that I didn't like the characters, and it's not that I didn't think like the overall story wasn't compelling or anything, but it was just a really rough go for me to get into it. But that doesn't mean I'm not willing to rewatch it again it's like shit getting through that first season is gonna suck i'm not just trying to rewatch the second season yeah i was just gonna say pick up on book pick up on book book two two. yeah Yeah, i want i know we talked about it before and i wanted to touch on jess's experience with it just to show like you don't not everybody really enjoys the first series or the first season of the series i should say well i'll bring this up again in another show we want to talk about but i feel like if you are going to make a tv show for something like nickelodeon or disney channel or anything that's like targeted to children you kind of have to play the game a little bit before you can really bust out the provocative themes that's the same with every almost every kid show yeah like Like episode one adventure time Oh my god! It's two of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I remember Adventure. I know we're not really going to talk about, it, but the first two or three seasons of Adventure Time—that's what it was. That's yeah. silly. It's silly little stories. Silly but I love goofball them. making up their own teen slang and crushing on princesses and beating yeah, up old and a wizards. Magical world, which we but later find out is not the case. Not the case. I mean, it is magical in a sense, but it's like in a dark way. Nuclear waste. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, and but it's pink and, and tastes like bubble gum. Yeah. The mother gum. Mother gum. Mother gum. So really, like, for me, the big thing is that Avatar always had a point to it. So all the mini, like, the mini episodes, like, the stories and such that he goes and does, book one water 
is just about Aang, and he's like, oh, I want to do all of these things. Yeah. And they go out to do all of these things. It's a road trip story. It's a road trip story, because we actually get to meet Katara, her brother, we get to meet Aang, and we also get to meet Zuko. Yeah, and Zuko. And really want to just, like, highlight him. Yeah, Zuko in book one is the Fire Nation prince who is... Exiled. Te- exiled by his own father, which is seen as merciful because his original plan was just kill his son. Yeah. And he has his brother's older, his father's older brother with him, Uncle Iroh. Oh, the best guy. He is amazing and always has like some points of wisdom to give the audiences. Mm -hmm. But he like... Despite being on the quote unquote bad guy team. Yeah. Like Iroh, I feel like is just a guy. Zuko. Mm-hmm. He really is because Iroh is he was this great, mighty, fearsome Fire Nation general who almost brought the Earth Kingdom to its knees. Yeah. But then he had a change of heart and everything changed for him when his son died. Mm-hmm. And he came home and he's like, okay, I really need to reevaluate myself, yeah. my life. Everything about the Fire Nation, this war that I'm fighting for. And all that. And the first time we see him, he's like a jolly old man who wants to play games and... Mahjong! He wants to to play Mahjong, drink tea, and occasionally fuck hookers. Why are are Zuko and Todoroki just... Like, why is Todoroki such a ripoff of Zuko? Uh, That's actually a really good question. (laughs) So... Well, because, like, I keep... I had to relook up the name because I love my hero academia, but I'm just garbage with keeping up with everyone's names. I, I know yeah. a lot of other people are like just. That I know he made it like a hard pivot. I'm just saying. Just pulled up a picture of Shoto Todoroki from the anime My Hero Academia, who has the power to control both ice and fire, and that's half a of bit his. Much. And it's too much. No, bit, no, because that's like such stark well, contrast. You have to know his parental story for it to make sense. Is so, one of them a firebender and the other a waterbender? Well, and they're called quirks. Can I just say my favorite detail about that, though? You know, like Zuko, you know, he was, like, burned by his father, obviously burned yes. by fire. Oh, my God. I, sorry, the, I didn't want to cut off like this, though, guys. Go, 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 go. But the story of him being burned by his mother with hot water and then using immediately her ice powers to try and heal it, which you should not do. No, it makes it worse. Ooh. He got burned by that ice. Bruh. Yeah. On the topic of Zuko's scar. Mm-hmm. Zuko, throughout the entire series, has this moral dilemma of, am I doing what's right, right? Because he was exiled for speaking up against his father. Turns out that it was during, like, this big war meeting. And Zuko, uh, the general, was like, oh, yes, we can sacrifice this entire battalion. And if I remember correctly, Zuko was like, hey, maybe we shouldn't let our soldiers die. He's like, that's a brand new battalion. Brand new group of soldiers. They just got out of training. We shouldn't be risking our people like this. And by speaking out against the general, it ended up being like he was speaking out against his father. Right. Who challenged him to what's called an Agni Kai, which is basically like... Fight to the death. Fight to the death, right? Yeah. And he gets burned severely on one side of his face. Mm -hmm. So whenever we see him... Mercifully in his father's eyes. Mercifully, yeah, right. Go fuck yourself. 
I mean, like, they really did a good Z- job Zuko's of making dad. it. Yeah, Zuko's, Zuko's dad. dad uh, Mark uh, Hamill. Fire, Fire Lord Ozai. Fire Lord Ozai, played by Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah. They, re- they really did I make a good job of, like, they had to make, like, a villain for the series, and, like, we're just going to make him a big devil fuck. Well, here's the thing. So, anytime where Zuko, he strives for his father's support, his father's love, acceptance, and anytime he ends up at a moral crossroads, basically, mm-hmm. it shows one side that's burned and one side that's not, like, Panel-wise, like just one panel, it's one side of his face, and the other panel, it's not. Whenever he's like trying to make a decision, do I do what's right, as I was taught by my uncle, or yep. do, do I do what I think is right to gain my father's love? It's just good ass cinematography. And that stark contract, just seeing the visualization between the two, really emphasizes his internal struggle. And it turns out. That part of his internal struggle, uh, he inherited it from his great-grandfather. Are we talking about Sozin? Sozin. Yes. Yeah, but he had two grandparents. His dad's was Sozin. His his mother's, that's his father's grandfather, great-grandfather. His mother's great-grandfather was Avatar Roku. Yes. Who was like, no, you can't start a war. But Sozin was like, I'm starting a fucking war and you can't stop me. Avatar Sozin, so fuck you. And Zuko is like this spiritual almost product of like this internal conflict of do I do what's right or do I do what my what I think my father thinks is right. The honorable thing. The quote unquote honorable thing. That's right? like the word of the day with Zuko. Yeah, he wants to be honorable, but Iroh, his uncle, is always reminding him, hey, you have a choice. Yeah, you can be your own free man. And for a short period, they are free from they all that. They are free. The book two, Earth. Yeah, which Jess should watch. Yes, Jess should I'm gonna, watch I'm going to get to it. And in book two, Earth, they live in the Earth Kingdom, mm-hmm. and they are free. And Zuko actually gets to explore himself, not as a firebender, not as the prince of the Fire Nation, but just as Zuko. Yeah. Just as There's himself. even half an episode where he's a happy fella. Yes! Only half an episode. Which is He just wakes up in a good mood, talks to his uncle like a human being, and then right dab in the middle, Azula tries to kill him. He's like, <laughs> ah, god damn it, I was doing so well. Azula, his sister, also, like, in late book three, and or book two, or the Earth Kingdom, and mm-hmm. in book three, all throughout book three, Whenever we see that contrast of like the both sides of his face, both sides of his moral dilemma, one is the voice of his uncle, the other is the voice of his sister. Yep. His sister, his little sister, Azula, was raised by her father. So that is kind of taking place of his father's voice in a way. Where it's like, this is what dad would want you to do. Right. I know what dad would want you to do because I grew up with him. Yeah. And then the other voice is Iroh saying, you don't have to have your dad's approval. And that shit's hard. Mm-hmm. Man, that shit's hard to accept. You don't need anyone's approval. No. Except for his own. And he did not approve of his actions and eventually joined the Avatar. Yeah. To, and taught him some even, firebending skills. And, and one of the reasons why I really love book three, Fire. Fire mm-hmm. is my favorite of all the series. Because Zuko makes a choice. 
and he regrets the decision because he attacks the Avatar. He finally captures the Avatar, and everybody thinks that he's dead. Everybody in the Fire Nation basically thinks that Aang is dead. Yes. Was that Gertie? Yeah, Gertie's playing with a squeak, squeak toy in the other room. It's okay. Really cute. Oh my God. <laughs> she entertained herself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, through half, like, through the, the first four oh or so episodes of Book Three Fire, Zuko is really struggling with the fact that he attacked the Avatar and betrayed his uncle and is like, did I really do the right thing? Decides, yeah. no, I didn't. Struggles morally with that, like, I didn't do the right thing. And then decides, okay, you know what, fuck this. Fuck my father, fuck this, Fire Nation. I'm gonna do what I know is right. Mm -hmm. Leave the Fire Nation and go join the Avatar, beg for forgiveness. I saw that episode. Yeah, we're there in the uh, Southern, Southern Temple? Yeah, they're in yes. the, like, high-up temple. Yeah, no, the Southern Air <laughs> Temple, where he's like, I'm so sorry. No, wait, it was the Western Air Temple. Or Western? Western? I think Western was closest to Fire Nation, so yeah. I remember being angry they didn't, like, give him a was chance sooner. Southern Air Temple then with the... Southern the, Air Temple's where Aang's from. Aang is from, okay. Mm -hmm. I so, think Eastern Temple's where, like, the, 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 the inventor guru. guys are, and then I don't remember the North Temple. Is that where no, Guru. Were? No, wait. That's right. The the, the inventor guy. guy was in the north, and Guru was in the east. East, yeah. Yes. So he goes up to Team Avatar and says, I'm "I don't know how to do taxes, but I know for a fact what's going on in each <laughs> of these fucking air temples." <laughs> I love that. I just have a guy do my taxes for me, <laughs> and I'm the guy who tells you about the temples. Yes. yes. We all yeah. have a role to play in this world. So going back to Zuko, book three is my favorite because he finally, like, Zuko finds himself. Mm -hmm. And he learns more about, he didn't know that Avatar, Sozin, and um, Fire, Lord, or Fire Lord, Sozin, and Avatar Roku were, her, were his grandparents. Yeah, which further, like, puts him right in the middle of the dichotomy of whether or not he is doing the right thing or not. Yeah. And he finds that out about really early of book three and he's like you know what i'm i'm gonna do the right thing and go see the avatar go talk to him yeah and so book three then becomes this kind of redemption arc of zuko trying to gain everyone's trust mm -hmm. individually so he goes on a trip with sokka he goes on a trip with Aang and katara yeah and he goes for a walk with toph yeah, we needed that. Wait, Jess, have you seen Toph? No, who's Toph? <gasps> the, the best, best character. The she's best. She's the best representation of blindness. Like, oh my god, I love her. She imagine just like so. She's a little girl who earth bends, and she was born blind, and she sees with earth bending, kind of like the way oh, Daredevil does. I think she was just getting introduced when I stopped watching. She oh my god, oh my you god. picked the worst part. What's, what's you picked the worst time to stop. Right. Toph made the show way better. Yes, yes, she did. Her parents are really overprotective. She has like several, like several older siblings. No, I remember. Like this chick's a badass. Yeah. Yeah, she is a great. She becomes a. I like her little hat. She. Becomes <laughs> <a> <laughs> she hates the hat. FYI. Well, mm -hmm. it looks cute on her, so you know she we all have to make sacrifices. She she couldn't see it. She, <laughs> <laughs> she hated anything that like was fancy and stiff. Yeah, that hat was fancy she, and stiff. She loved a being good a, hat. Needs to be stiff. What? <laughs> don't say anything, Brody. 
Don't don't do it. I don't know. Is that had ten gallons? You just glad to see me. <laughs> Rose, so what makes this appealing for kids and adults? I mean, I know, I, I know what the answer is. You've you've been going on about it, but like, yeah, let's tell tell our audience for kids. All three of them. It's just a fun coming of age story because this isn't for little little toddlers. Not for babies. For like preteens. For really the preteens are definitely the right word for that. Yeah, like I, I said I was eleven when I first watched it, and it's that's like the perfect age. Yeah, the world is not black and white, and you can miss make mistakes Mm -hmm. and learn from them and you know accept them yeah and it would have been really easy for zuko to just stay like the sort of team rocket villain he is where every episode's like i need to catch the avatar man but i do feel like jesse and james are really misunderstood though yeah have you seen their repertoire i know we're not talking about pokemon but my god like oh they fail every day and their repertoire is amazing you need a fucking hot air balloon done by Monday and it is Sunday night. They will have it to you by 8 a.m. Yeah, like really what they want to be is just like a traveling acting troupe, but they don't have the means to do that. So Team Rocket, they, you know, they don't. They're just stuck in a system, man, that they don't even want to be in. But the point, well, that's exactly what Zuko is. He's stuck. Yeah. <laughs> He's stuck in this. It's exactly what you just said, but like on a more serious level where yeah. it's like he is just a product. He is like the next incarnation of a society that for a hundred years has been these warmongers, imperialistic but it fuckers. it shows that they can change. Yeah, it anybody shows can change. That anyone can change. And it's not even like every Fire Nation person even is evil. There's even the there's even the one episode where Aang goes to a, to like a Firebender school. Yeah, and then or we Fire just Nation school. Fire Nation yeah. school. That's right. And he's just like learning all this false history written by these guys. And he's just like, you know what? Maybe the Fire Nation people really aren't evil. Maybe they're just kind of brought up that way and they're a product just of their regurgitating own. everything that the world has kind of been said. You know what? I'm going to say it. It's a lot like, uh, it's more like Attack on Titan. I was going to say Attack on Titan, but I didn't want to bring it up again. All right. So moving on, I guess. <laughs> Rose has no wrapping up words. No. Uh, once again, that. once again, in, in, in a one to three sentences, why is this good for kids? But why is it better for adults? I totally got this. Okay, Brody, take yeah, it, yeah. Brody. <laughs> it's real. It really is. Mic drop. No, it is. It tackles, like, just problems and things that you face almost every day. Yeah. They could have made it very cartoony. They could have made it very Nickelodeon. It's real. It's It's real. Good. It's raw. And it goes hard. Oh, one thing you guys didn't mention, which I think is very unique about this show. I know I haven't seen it all the way through, but we haven't touched on the animation style at all. Oh, my God. How it is definitely inspired by um, Eastern anime, but definitely has a Western vibe to it. And I would, I want to call it Western anime, even though I know that's not accurate, but... How would you describe it? I don't know. There's not anything animated like it. I don't want to put it in a box. It's like... Oh, but there is class of its own, though. Yeah. Like the animation from the animation style right down to like the portrayal, the like animated portrayal of characters. Fair enough. I think it's very western. It's incredibly western, but there's definitely a lot of eastern influence. Yeah, there's a lot of respectful eastern. Oh, absolutely. Oh, uh, because I, I feel like um, a lot of Western animation goes through phases where, you know, like you've got like 
your Powerpuff Girls and your Dexter's Laboratory and like your Johnny Bravo and we had that time. Yeah. And then, you know, then there's like um, the regular show has a look that was really popular and then there's... Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about. It's like, and all these guys went to school together too. They all did. That's funny. Yeah. So, Rhodey. Mm. Seth MacFarlane used to work on Johnny Bravo. Really? Yeah. I know that. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane used to work now on Now I think Bravo. about it, it makes so much sense though. It really he fucking does. It's just a man trying to get laid. Yeah. I don't think Seth MacFarlane has any trouble getting laid, but Johnny Bravo sure as shit did. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's like, hey, I made Family Guy. And he's like, have me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a millionaire? <laughs> you can sing right. like Sinatra. Yeah. So, from one representation to another, Brody, what is the topic that you're going to talk about? Righto. So, uh, this is a very uh, contemporary show right now. That's I've on. never heard of it or seen it. Really? I, it's on my list to watch. I mean, let me look up what it looks like real quick because you guys know I'm a yeah very visual uh, person. But if you have Disney Plus and if you're not watching The Owl House, uh, go do no, it right I've now. I've never seen it. Really? Not familiar at all. It has Kiki's delivery service vibes, though. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's definitely much yeah. about witches and demons and fun magical characters. So I'm just going to give you the, like the big uh, cold introduction. It's about a young girl named Luce who is seen in the human world as a straight up fucking weirdo. She my kind of gal. There's 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 a lot of worlds. There oh she ships her favorite anime characters. She makes AMVs. She brings live rats to school so that she can act like a hero. And she's a big fantasy nerd. I love this chick. I I, I definitely just described you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do not bring animals to work. You you would if you could. You would. If you could. Yeah, I would actually. I've asked I've asked the chef if I could have a pet bat. Why would you me? want the pet of all the pets? <laughs> why bad time. Bad time with all this COVID shit. They all they do is spread diseases. Yeah, bats are adorable. Have you not seen a baby bat? I have. have They look like angry men. It's so funny when fruit bats are nice because they have the little puppy face. Yeah, that's nice. When you hold a bat by its two hands, just hanging, they look so pissed. It's so cute. It's just how their faces look. So, anyways, I asked asked Chef if I could have a baby or bat, and she and she probably looked at you like, I can't believe I made you a manager. Yeah, like, like shit. <laughs> okay, Brody, continue. Brody, continue. So, Luz is seen in the human world as this big fucking weirdo, and the first episode starts with her going to camp, supposedly. But instead, Ooh. Camp Half Blood. Uh, it's better than than Camp Half Blood. <gasps> no, nothing no. is better. Well, okay, hold on. Oh, I, I just, and then. So instead, she decides, I'm fuck this. I'm running away. I'm going to this weird old house for a quick moment to think by myself. Okay. And that's where she, a briefcase opens up and she a portal unfolds. And portal? and like if you're a fantasy nerd and you're have a troubled youth and you see a big portal open up, you're you're definitely gonna walk through that. Naturally. No, probably not. No, Naturally. no, I totally yeah. would. No, I had a, I had escape plans in case I had home invaders. Portal gang, cautious and anxious child. But oh, whatever, yeah. that portal takes her to the demon realm on the boiling isles, a, a continent, like a, a continent made from the dead body of a once ruling titan. Oh lordy! Okay, we're getting so some... a giant titan died, and on its deceased body grew this giant landscape. 
And that's how we got Where Florida. demons and witches... That's Florida. <laughs> yeah, that's Florida. Where Florida. demons and witches live freely, practicing magic under covens. Okay. So, and Luz is, of course, like, yeah, no, this is this is my new fucking home. Does she oh, does she yeah. yo-yo between, like, uh, the Boiling Islands and real world? She, is it like a Kagome situation? Well, her mom thinks she's at camp, so she's like, nah, I'm just gonna fucking stay here for a little while. And as soon as she does, she runs into a character known as, a witch known as Ida the Owl Lady. Okay, cool. Ida the Owl Lady is a junk seller who is a f- very fond of human trinkets. It's a lot like um, Ron's Ron dad, oh, yeah. and just like seeing how there there are there's a civilization of people who yeah. love who are human and don't have magic Arthur but still Wesley, function. Sorry, this came to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. Oh, so is it like a um? What is it called? The Pixar film? Where it's like magic lives in the world and then it Oh, Onward? Came. Onward! Oh yeah, my god, Onward, Onward is, is so good. It's a million like, times better than Onward. Is it like Onward's. an Onward situation where magic was in the world but now it's not because of technology? It's kind of like, no, it's not, it's not quite like that. It is sort of like they've domesticated magic. Uh-huh. Magic apparently in what is known for, in that culture as the Savage Days used to be a wild thing until the big bad guys sort of seized power and put everyone in covens and tried to organize things. I'll get to that in a second. So Luz is sort of somewhat adopted by Eda the Owl Lady and also living in the house. The Owl House, uh, which is guarded by a demon named Hootie. Hootie is so cute. Oh my god. Hootie is like the fucking Zoidberg of the show where it's like where he's kind where he's kind of lame. Oh no, he's an owl that lives in the door and sometimes at the owl house. At the owl house. But owned by the owl lady. Owned by the owl lady. I'll get to why she's called the owl lady in a sec too. Oh my god, I love it. So it's just uh, sort of her learning to have this magical adventure. She wants to become a witch obviously and she's learning from the most powerful witch in the town. And owl lady is the most powerful witch in the town yeah because she, she doesn't like join the, any covens the pigeon lady from um home alone yeah the second home alone Lost she would she would kill that lady they're similar pigeon though lady? Like have you seen pigeon home alone she's the second one lost in new york well, i haven't seen it in a long time so uh well there's the there's always that w- crazy old person there's always like a creepy old to. person that teaches the what's the his kid? fucking name Oh, um, Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. Kevin. He teaches Kevin McAllister a fucking lesson. Yeah. It's and the same lesson in every movie. Hmm. <laughs> it is. Okay. Where was I? Owl Lady. Owl Lady, Foodie. yes. So that's basically just like the makeup of everything. Young girl living in a magical world in a house by a witch. There's a tiny little demon named King, who I forgot to talk about, but he's King. adorable. Yeah, King. Oh my god, I love it. And his whole shtick is like he wants to think of himself as a powerful tyrant di- demon, but really he's just fucking adorable. Aww. It's like if Gertie tried to kill you, but it's like couldn't. Oh! Tried to threaten Brody. Wait, yeah. Gertrude would be the cutest little demon. <gasps> is she oh not? Oh my god, her and Akamaru. <laughs> no, she's delightful. No, her and Akamaru trying to threaten someone. So that's the basic makeup of the fantasy they world that's like, going no, on. No, you do it. No, you, you do, do it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you bark at a person. I'm an old man. I don't want to do anything. Yeah, Aki's just done with everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> he really is. Sometimes I've like, interacted with Aki. He's like, oh, God. Because <laughs> I immediately pick him up and squish his head, which is probably not <laughs> nice, but... <laughs> Brody, you got to meet my dog at some point. At one point, yeah. 
Rose's dog has the same exact vibe as Rose, where it's just like, ha, like, just all the time. Just like, ha, 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 leave me alone. He's, I unfortunately passed on some sort of level or feeling of, like, he's a very anxious boy. We do pass our anxieties on to our animals. Apparently, I've passed on some kind of anxiety. I think I passed a personality disorder on the mind. Oh, um, no. Let's continue. <laughs> Jess is like, okay, Brody, take that back now. Yeah. Um, uh, so the first episode is just definitely like defining all the classic tropes that people are aware of. And then like immediately is just like breaking that shit up. Like magic, magic does exist, but so do shitty people in this world. Like I think episode two is like a wizard sends her on a quest for a magical item. And it turns out to just be a fucking scam. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so the whole idea is just subverting all these magical tropes that you see in the fantasy series. And don't trust strangers. Don't trust strangers it's unless it's unless it's uh, either the owl lady. But there's one, there's two things I really want to show that really makes it for adults. And the first one I wanted, to, I've seen is Ida the owl lady herself, who, despite being a Ida's backstory is that long ago, as a young witch learning the way of the world, she was cursed. Oh, no. She had, she occasionally flares up and turns into an owl demon, which is... That's why she's called the owl lady? Yes, because she very literally turns into an owl demon. So she's a witch and a demon. Yes, she's cursed that way. She's a witch cursed to be an owl demon. Yeah. And it flares up when she's anxious or just random. God, or I relate to that so much. Moment- <laughs> no, that's totally what they're doing. They're yeah, totally making to that so totally much. Off topic, that reminds me of Red, the new Pixar film. Like- oh yeah, Turning Red, where it's like someone like the red panda. when they have like fluctuations of emotion, sort of physically transform. Yeah, it's the exact same trope, but this one's more like you know a demon. No, demonic. No poker face can happen with either of these. Yes. Yeah. But she can take elixirs, which help her help her calm it down. But throughout the series, you see cheers, like cheers. cheers to that. But you see throughout the series, like it starts getting way worse. Oof. Way worse. Oof. But you want to know like the real kicker of it? That has got to be a representation yes, of alcoholism, or just I was gonna say bipolarism, medication in general, or just like the desperate need for medication, which in the human world now would just I'm be thinking pills. of like Helga G. Pataki's mom, who was clearly an alcoholic. Oh, when so you hard as an adult. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 that's I mean, it, a, yeah. That's actually out. another show that is honorable like, mention. Hey, hey Arnold, so oh, for adults. Yeah. It's so for adults. I, I yeah. honestly didn't know what you were talking about until you said, hey, Arnold. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Arnold. Yeah, Helga's mom is, um, you don't pick up on it as a kid at all. Because she's very... Well, they call it juice in her They call it juice, and, and she and... sleeps a lot, and she lets Ooh. the husband do a lot of she's things. She's always groggy. She's not very attentive. I think there are some scenes where she's passed out at the kitchen passed table. Passed out or slurs her words. Yeah, it, it, she's, she's <laughs> definitely an alcoholic. It's not that like Helga has a bad home life, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that's how, how her mother is. It's not yeah. portrayed as... It's that's obviously not bothering Helga too much, even though I think there are scenes. I think the father is way worse for Helga than the mother. Yeah, but to go back to Eda the Owl Lady, just to fill you in on the entirety of the story, and fuck you, spoilers for most oh, yeah, of everything. Spoiler, like, yeah, fuck you, spoilers for two people who haven't seen it. Sorry. 
Uh, we learned that Edith sort of rejected the idea of covens because they were a way for the emperor to kind of control magic in the world. So she's rebellious. Oh, she's like, rebellious. She's so like fucking her. rebellious. I love her. She she's crazy. Awesome. She doesn't like organized religion. Yeah. Or magic or whatever. However, her sister, Lilith, is head... <laughs> okay, hold on. We went... Jess went from organized religion to Brody going, Lilith, her sister. Well, Lilith's a great name, and we don't need to go into the origins just, of a name. You know, pulling, pulling, mm-hmm. you know. We're pulling threads. Pulling threads. We're destroying yeah. a sweater today. But Lilith, her sister, is the head of the Emperor's Coven, who is just like the boss. You know, and there's like one point. So Lilith is kind of like convinced that if oh, she God. brings Ida to the emperor, the emperor will cure her of the curse. That's bullshit. No, that's bullshit. No. She's getting played. She wants. She thinks she's helping, but she's totally not. And eventually, like it comes to the point where the two of them are fighting because she captures Luz, knowing that she actually has some attachment now. Oh no! And right before Ida uses up the last of her magic before permanently turning into the owl, they're fighting over shit. And it's like she they were always compared. Turns into the owl demon. She well, she fucks. She gets fucked up by the curse like that. And Ooh, wait, you didn't say that this was permanent though. Oh, it could oh, be curses permanent. Curses are permanent until you get them lifted. Yeah, you this is not going to be lifted. You can curse, you can change it. But the curse... You can reverse curses. Have you? We just talked about Studio Ghibli movies. I'll get to that in a sec. How they, I'll get to <laughs> that in a sec how they fix that. Every movie gets lifted. I'll get to that in a sec how they fix everything. But she's fighting with her sister, and they're always saying, like, hey, we were always competitive, you were better than me, and he is just like, I always was better than you. I'm definitely going to be better in magic, and I'm going to kick your ass. And it's the exact quote that Lil says to that is, why were you so easy to curse then? Oh, oh. she cursed her own sister. I have sisters, and that's really relatable. <laughs> yeah, I feel like siblings do that kind of shit. Okay, so for my, they totally do. So for my understanding, they fuck you up. Like, a curse is like... A long-term bad spell you put on somebody. Yeah, the story is that they were both sort of, like, training to be in the Emperor's Coven, and Lilith knew that she wasn't going to win, so she decided to curse her to sort of put her out of it. But Ida was like, you know what? But Ida was like, you know what? I actually don't want this. I'm just going to give it to you. And then the curse happens. Really? Yeah, so it didn't even matter. So... Fuck Lilith! Yeah, but... She fixes it. Uh, after Lilith fixes it. Lil- okay, so she learns later on that the Emperor had no intention of curing her. She just wanted her out of the way so he can get okay. the portal to the human world to do some sort of evil bullshit with it. Okay, slight redemption. Yeah, and then she uses a spell that they used as a young kid where she took she takes half of it. There's a spell where if someone gets injured, you can use it on them so that way you're you take half the injury. So like if I yeah. broke my oh, arm in two places, classic, like oh you're hurt, so I'm gonna take off, take half your damage, that kind of shit. Yeah, if if I were to break my arm in two places and someone were to use that spell on me, we would both have our arm broken in one place. Now are they tied together forever? Like if you get dan- like. Say I do the spell on you, bro. It's a kind of a one-time thing. It's a one-time but thing. But now they both have to live with the half of the same curse, and they don't have magic anymore in the traditional sense. Oof. Yeah, well, they got the card revoked, you know? Oh, so you know what? Hold on. So this is like a um, 
Full metal alchemist. I was actually thinking full metal alchemist yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah. Full metal alchemist. The equivalent exchange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, and then season two early on, and and then this is where like the, they really, you know, remember when I was saying like season one of any kids show they kind of got to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Season two they go really direct with how they are talking about it, and the Lilith and Eater relationship goes from being like, hey, now that we're both cursed and all that. I really am sorry that I did this to you, and I wish that we were better together as kids, because then I... Which really translates to... I'm pretty aware that I kind of fucked you up men- with a mental illness, and you have to do this, and now that I'm actually like experiencing this for myself, I really realize what kind of shit I've done to you, and I'm sorry. So it's like... A- it sounds like they both needed it, though. Like, what a shitty... Uh- Either than for the that. owl lady, but it seems like for the relationship, this is the road it had to go down. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it seems like you know she finally Why acknowledges how badly she And then the most recent uh, development in that sort of arc is the fact that Ida, for a long time, has been trying to learn how to get her magic back, and in doing so, learned how to make peace with the actual owl and demon itself. I like that. Yeah. Self-acceptance is always important, guys. Self-acceptance, learning that you don't need you don't need to constantly medicate yourself, and that kind of comes in the form of her learning that when she transforms, she can instead turn into a little owl harpy. Oh my oh, god. Harpies are cool. Yeah. So it's like um She's oh, like, "Ah, oh, damn it, I transformed like, again, but I look really dope oh, and I'm in so control. Like a, uh, We're working together." It's Are you about to say Naruto? Cuz it is a lot like Naruto. Yeah, actually it was. I could read you like a book. God damn it! It's like <laughs> Venom, too, guys. Mm, not quite. How is it not? It's a parasocial Eddie, relationship. Yeah, Eddie but they have to learn how to work together to function together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Eddie they make a deal. The Venom para- Venom symbiote, though. He, he didn't really have the whole thing where he was fighting against Venom. Maybe for like a second, and then he's like, "Okay, this." And is the, then life, the, and the original Spider-Man movies, it was definitely a conflict. Yeah, yeah. there was a conflict. And there is some kind of conflict in the, like the Venom movies, but not to the extent of this. Mm-hmm. But basically, yeah, like it is still very like fantastical children. Like you can watch this and still like have like a good time, like you're enjoying a fun cartoon. But really, if you know what they're trying to say, you know what they're trying to say. Yeah, and you can sort of like see through that and understand that so, a lot of what they do is really about trauma and sort of like the. What damage kind of looks like from that. They just say it in a very magical way. I love so that. So on our whiteboard, we have that, but we also have... Oh, yeah, a second points. kind of representation. I had kind. completely forgot to talk about Luz the Human, who's sort of in this human world, and she does, in fact, meet other witches and stuff like that. Uh, I know I know. me and Rose both sort of have a disdain for romantic subplots and TV shows, especially ones that are forced in and sort of that, like that will they, won't they sort of situation. Or even... Miraculous. For everybody who's watched, because we're talking about cartoons, the Miraculous miraculous, uh, Ladybug and Cat Noir, that kind of cartoon, my fucking God. Think that one, but I have a great disdain. I was gonna say, like, every Adam Sandler movie where it just kind of ends with him getting the girl, even though in Act One they totally hated each other. I like it when it's um, central to the character's development, and it's not just. And I'm just gonna say that it's not a static female character because it very frequently is just a female character who 
purely exists to be a romantic interest Thank and does you. not change for the better. Mm-hmm. Thank um, you. I, I like uh, I like it when it's well written and it's it seems organic and I don't want to go down the manic pixie dream girl shit yeah, route right now either. But that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But it's a trope that's still very prevalent in movies today. Um, yeah, so I like a good romantic subplot and I yeah. I like I like I like it better when it doesn't end well. This has maybe <laughs> the the mo- the best most organic romantic subplot I've seen in a show. Ooh. So lose the human. Even learn- better than bubblegum and Marceline. Wait, uh, well, mm-hmm. they have problems. <laughs> uh, and I have this is like a still an incomplete show, so I can't tell if it's going to get better or worse. But <laughs> lose the human goes to human school, and at first so it is like Kagome. What's what's Kagome? Inuyasha. Okay. There's a lot of Inuyasha parallels. Well, yeah, it's all the same tropes that we've but, seen for a long Rose, time. But, Rose, real quick, but you do like the love story in Inuyasha. Yeah, okay. Let's continue. Okay. <laughs> How can you not? Okay, I just had to, for the record, yeah, that's a great that's a great love story. And yeah, at, at first, so the first, like, real, like, enemy she's made is sort of this overly prestigious girl named Amity. It's the best, oh. it's the best love story. And, no, hold on. This is an enemies to lover. I'm calling it right now. Enemies to lover. What? Enemies to lovers? No, lovers to enemies is what's going to happen. No, she hates the girl. She's prestigious. She's like... She's prestigious. She comes from a very rich family. She has big shoes to fill. She is very much stuck up in a bitch. Yes! We first see, but we realize, like, these are just children. Okay. At first being opponents to one another because they go from being like, hey, I try try so fucking hard to be the best possible and you're a goddamn human who can't use magic, but somehow you think you're better than me. And it's like, yeah, because I just like it more. I called it. And so so later they become friends. Season two is sort of like where Amory kind of learns to like herself a little bit more and doing so kind of goes away from all that and realizes... Ah. Hey, I kind of have romantic feelings for this human. So I was wrong. It's enemies to friends to lovers. God damn it, that's, the, that's more natural. Being though. friends first is usually better. But yeah, but not. But like the best part about it is that like I am watching uh, a very young love between two girls. It's a lesbian relationship, which we don't see at all in a cartoon. It's typically, like the males. Yeah, you. It's typically like if a this happened like even twenty years game. ago, it would people would be jumping off the fucking walls. But they're jumping doing, off the fucking walls regardless. But it doesn't fucking matter in the in the demon realm. Oh hell yeah! It doesn't fucking matter. The only weird thing about them dating is that they're both fucking young, naive, and embarrassed. And that's the most organic way to show you that. Know, I do love I like more um, LGBTQ plus representation exactly. uh, for children to watch, specifically. Oh, yeah. Yes, I, I really like that. And there's also one character who has two mafia. dads, and no one mentions it. We are here for the Rainbow Mafia, guys. Rainbow Mafia, I will pay you protection. <laughs> we, we are here. Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. You're the... the well, it sounds it's the like good a delightful the show that has a lot of, <laughs> has a lot of uh, stuff in common with shows that I already love. Right. Yeah. It has. And and you know what? It's just really fucking good, even if it is like good in like a good ch- children's cartoon way. Okay. So I'll propose the question that Jess proposed mm-hmm. to me with Avatar: the Last Airbender. What makes it good for kids, and what makes it good for adults? 
like final thoughts. The thing that makes it good for kids is that it's colorful and you can put it on. <laughs> they make wacky noises and yeah. they and they chill, entertain your children and they learn how to share. Yeah. Sharing uh, is caring. Sharing is caring, especially if it's love. Um Aww. but every character is sort of a role model. Like even someone like Eda the Owl Lady who's supposed to be like an old woman is very much a, like a child in her own way. I love that though. Yeah, it's, it's fucking is, great. We before we started recording, we were talking about Doctor Who and um one of my favorite Doctor Who quotes from Classic Who is What's the point of being an adult if you can't act a little childish sometimes? That's very much Edith's entire personality is the I am definitely making my own path. I defy what the Emperor like is trying to restrain with, in terms of magic. Literally her whole thing is empathetically creating her own path and making things better for people. Even, I love that. Even if it means like that you just sell human junk. Forging your life yeah. through empathy is uh, one of the best ways to go about it. Oh, I didn't even talk about King. King believes himself to be the king of demons because he was born in a temple that depicted someone that looks like him, who he thought was himself, but later kind of realized, maybe this is my father. Look, so that gives me Loki vibes. Yeah, like, no, like, it's very, like, North mythological. I love that Rose is saying vibes now. Always, um, well, she used to say it ironically, but now it's just. I used to say it ironically as well, but yeah. like, it's I'm, like, just, I'm just letting go. Of it's this like how I say epic. There's, I can't think of another word, and I've used it all the time. Like, I feel like when I'm like, like trying to get my hair cut, I'm like, yeah, this is the vibe I'm going for. <laughs> I've used mm-hmm. it to like book tattoos too. Like, I, I hate myself so much. <laughs> so King is. But it, it does give me a very Loki esque. Loki. 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 Yeah. 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 I can't seem to hit the low keys. <laughs> have y'all seen that? It's a dumb thing. No, but that was yeah. funny. Of course. You shouldn't have told me because I thought you made it up. Oh. No, I've seen it. Well, maybe I did, and I just I needed that like discovery. Maybe I just did, and I didn't think it was funny, so I covered my track by saying it was someone else's. Well, you want to know something funny? Is um, you know, at the restaurant, this was a few years ago, but mm-hmm. um. We have a lot of younger employees. Once again, I'm in my 30s. And uh, one of the girls was getting Mountain Dew from the, the fountain. And I go, yeah, so-and-so, do the do. And they look at me and they go, oh, my God, I love that. Uh, you know what? That's, the, that's a catchphrase. I, it, look. Do the do is the catchphrase. And then you looked at your hands and they were bony. And you looked at your hair and it was all gray. Yeah, and then I had glasses on to show that time had passed. I, um... <laughs> I, I I specifically like it. I don't know if you guys have seen the episode of Robot Chicken with just the little kid going down a, like a tiny little hell, hill sledding, and he just goes do the do. No, nobody. No. Well, once again, oh, guys, I thought that was like an actual slogan from. The it movie. is the actual yeah, it is slogan. The actual slogan. Yeah, but not anymore. I don't think. Anyways, no, it still is. I think this person had no idea. I think now it's Mountain Dew. It can dissolve a rat. Yeah, <laughs> it has orange juice in it. Well, they don't even spell out Mountain all the way. It's just M. N T N. Well, that's the that's it's the, the abbreviation. abbreviation. Yeah, but then N T is the abbreviation for Mountain. Look, the people yeah, who no drink shit. Mountain Dew can't really read that that kind of big. No, load. but the people no. who drink Mountain Dew type it out that way too. Anyways, King. Um, King. King. I, I had a diet Mountain Dew today, guys. King is an abandoned <laughs> child who's doesn't know who he is, what he what he is, or what he can represent. So it's sort of the found family trope where instead of I love that. 
He's like yes. Nico. He changes his name to Clawthorn after yeah, Anita. From Percy Jackson. Oh, Nico D'Angelo. Oh, he mm-hmm. has a different found family. Yeah. But Nico, oh my gosh. There was one Look, scene. Look, guys, that, I'm making Percy Jackson parallels I, I now. So We're doing happy. it. We're doing it. I'm so happy. No, it actually legitimately makes Rose me. just looked at me like I was like, fucking psychotic. No, because she but, comes out with Nico, and I'm just like, who? Which Nico? Multiple Nikos. Yeah, we don't need to get in on that other we, Nico. Yeah, we don't need to. But the thing that really pissed me off, there was one scene that just made me fucking yeah. scream. <laughs> where. King's dad shows up to the Owl House and gives Hootie a letter saying, hey, I know my son's out there. I know he's missing me. Please make sure he gets this. This describes everything that's going on with him. And then they burn the letter. And then Hootie's like, oh, wow, a bug. And he eats it. Probably for the best. What? Some some answers are best left. I mean, some, look, some I get that they're I get that they're gonna make a few more episodes and stuff. But I was just like, this is exactly what I want. Also, I don't I forget who it was, but it was definitely a known voice actor who voices King's dad. Like, oh. if you ever we can Google it. Yeah, if you, uh, I can't remember it, it's just like I'm think gonna, of think of like the classic like super deep voice kind of guys like that and all. Of, no, I can't do voices today. I can't do voices in general. I only do one voice since when I'm talking to my dog. But yeah, to just to go back to what makes it for kids, what makes it for adults. What makes it for adults is that everyone's a role model in their own way. They all go through some sort of hardship that either kids or adults can relate to. And the thing that makes it great for kids is it really is just like so passively how people should be. It's people aren't putting effort into being nice people. They're not putting effort into trying to represent love. They're not putting effort into being the best selves. They just are. And that's something that I think kids don't really learn how to pick up on quite yet. That like, if you do in fact be yourself, you will be rewarded. Yeah, you should. What is the, what is the name of King's dad? I don't know if we've learned his name yet. Just look up uh, Owl House King's dad. I did. And all I'm getting is King. He's only really been in two episodes. Two scenes, even. So oh, He looks like a dog crossover from a Cubone, Dust Skull, and a... And, um, a Rough dog. Rock. Rough Rock. Rough Rock. Definitely. Those yeah, are that's, the King vibes. Yeah, and <laughs> you want to know some other shit that made me really fucking mad? Hmm. What? This show got cancelled. What? All the good ones get cancelled. All the good ones get cancelled. Don't even get me started on the OA. Because... Because... This is from a Disney executive. It doesn't fit the Disney brand. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, and I wanted to you were done, but I'm very shocked that this is... This seems more like a Cartoon Network vehicle. Yeah. Every, oh. Everyone said, like, his, his further elaboration was he doesn't like that it's serialized. It doesn't take... The, he doesn't like that it takes itself serious. It doesn't like that it's more adult-centered than children-centered. But a lot of people read they don't like that it fits the Disney brand. And really took to Twitter being like, wow, Disney hates gay people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what are their expectations? Yeah. Yeah, but really, what are their expectations? If the view if the if the views are good and people are watching it, you should And that's just not explicitly what they said, but I mean, come on. Like, if we learned anything from Steven Universe, they want to play it safe when it comes to LGBTQ representation because that's how you get international funding. People in Russia and China aren't gonna pay money to make a show where two same-sex people love each other. No, and that would be actually worthwhile to, to dive into a little bit on another episode is how 
I I read more about this when I like uh, was just like, how in the fuck are they making a third Transformers movies? They're shit. No one sees them in America. You want to know where they see them? China. 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 They love everyone in China. They love the Transformers. They love Bumblebee. Yeah, okay, you can do your Optimus Prime. Wants to put your kids in cages. If you're bored, take a look and go through on like how movie posters are redesigned for Eastern audiences. Oh it's a God. lot of fun. Can we talk oh, yeah. about the one time that somebody actually thought a fan-made poster of Loki and Thor was an official movie? Well, I'm sure that happens all the time. So it was actually called Loki and Thor? It was like a slash poster. And some, like, some like, theater in China was like, oh my God, this is proof. Like This is like true... Marvel marketing, we should put it up, and they didn't put up a fan-made poster, and it was... Well, I hope that fan got credit for it. No. Of oh, course they didn't. Surprised. Of course they didn't. I don't even think real poster makers get credit. No, they don't. They don't. No. God, posters are still so Disney cool. Frame them, though, people. Frame them. Frame them. I have mine framed. I have... Oh, my God. I, I just realized something. Hmm. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Because <gasps> he's a cartoon. It's in... We don't. That's wait, we have list. we have it on the list because. B- no we cartoons, in frames. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? He's a cartoon. It's both. I need to stop drinking. <laughs> no, you're right though. I just got that too, actually. Oh, <laughs> like just now. <laughs> I could just I could just be picking it up picking it out because I think I'm smart. No, it's both. No, it, it's like <laughs> it's who framed Roger Rabbit for murder and who drew him also. Yeah. Or who framed this shot? Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> well, the, ca- the, the cartography is accredited in the movie. The voice actor and the animator are all accredited in the movie. So if you want to watch the movie... That's who framed him. That's who framed him. We did it. We, we found out. We, we solved the cold case that was who framed Roger Rabbit. Oh my god, it's such a good movie though. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're going to talk about it later. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? We got um, another cartoon on our minds? Yeah! yeah! I want to say, though, for Disney, though, that's not surprising that they're canceling it so soon. Oh, Disney's got to get on the fucking bandwagon with everybody really, else, man. They really do, but the thing is, um, this kind of tracks along with their history, where it's like Kim Possible and a few other of their really popular animated films or franchises, I should say, uh, actually had, at the time, back in the early 2000s, they had a contract where after a certain number of seasons, the series would just end. Because they wanted to move on to something different. So unfortunately, this kind of tracks back. That This just reminds me and tracks back to that whole... Most shows shouldn't run more than five seasons. I think five seasons is Five seasons is... It's that Breaking Bad sweet spot. Like, really, most shows run too long. Um, I'll get into the OA on another episode. Uh, I'm so angry about that still. Um, Most shows don't have a definitive story plotted out from the get-go. Most of the good ones absolutely do. But I think if you're... And they need about five to six seasons to finish. No, Eureka needs to be on the list. We'll put Eureka on the list. You you can edit this out, but oh my god, Eureka. And these are for most of your turn and burn shows. I'm not talking about epic sagas like Game of Thrones that obviously had the viewership and the funding it needed. But my whole thing is like, if you are going into like making a show, like you can be like, hey, I just want to make a show. It's only going to be one season, and it's going to have a really good ending. I I just really appreciate the ver- the rarity 
of a creator ending their show because they know exactly how to end it. Yeah, I agree with you. Absolutely. Not because of any studio meddling or not because... The Walking Dead. Can you imagine if The Walking Dead actually ended in five seasons? If they did actually did it would that. Be watchable well the first three seasons are really good yeah I'll they, t- they are really good they were they were transformative at the time but the walking dead is just people yelling at each other <laughs> i mean after the governor it's all downhill yeah you know what i really like though i really oh. like shows where every season is its own little episode Ooh, its own little arc between every season so, well then i have a great show that i know you've already seen fucking nailed that transition yeah you did you nailed it so good um I don't, I, Rose, I don't think you've seen it, but me and Brody are really big fans of Infinity Train. I, it's on my list. It's another one that's on my list. I've been dying to see it. Please tell me more about it. So I'm I'll dying. just take the helm on this one. Yeah, I'll take the helm, but I'm going to obviously want your help and input. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Infinity Train. I, I did a little bit of Wikipediaing earlier. Yeah, just sell me on the the introduction so i'll sell you on the introduction but i do want to open with that it's created by owen dennis who is was a storyboard artist on the regular show which is another show that we could make an honorable mention for today that's definitely an honorable that show that show is not for kids (laughs) it isn't it isn't (laughs) it It came on but it's on the, the time slot before adventure time when it was out right so it's definitely like for this audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not talking about the regular show. Pre-teens. But we can. But we're not going to. Let's say we're, we're all talking about shows that are for preteens. Teens are I would definitely say like regular show is more like stoner 20 year olds than preteens. Okay. Yeah, the regular show is like, it's how I feel going to work every day. Because yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually watched too much of the regular show. I don't show. think you would like the regular show. I know that they You would either really love work. it or really hate it. The, they work for a park service. Yeah, so they're 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 like it's a job on at the, taking care of the park, like ground service, maintenance, yada okay. yada. But and they live on the park too. It's it. I don't understand how that got greenlit. It's a Cartoon Network show about people with jobs. I mean, we're also talking about well, they barely do their job, and they're just like chilling, playing video games, we're, we're getting shenanigans, macking on girls. I mean, it's fun. Well, yeah. we're talking about the the you know. The um, TV studio, I don't know what Cartoon Network really is. The station that greenlit um, a fucking, the regular show, you've got Gumball. That's Cartoon Network. Yeah, I know. But other Cartoon Network. Uh, That's always been Cartoon Network shtick to um, stand up to the giant that is Nickelodeon. I mean, because Nickelodeon has a lot of our yeah. my favorites as a child, too. And you talk about Rugrats. Uh, Real Monsters, Cat Dog. I mean, SpongeBob. The, yeah, SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Like, like the uh, behemoth Nick, that is SpongeBob. Yeah, Cat. I um, Nickelodeon has a ton of heavy hitters. It just Cartoon Network had to take takes a little Samurai bit of a dark, little bit of a darker spin. Samurai Jack is an honorable mention. I just remembered that. Yeah, Samurai okay. Jack's good. Yeah, that one is not for children, but it it's, is it's like, for kids. It's for a kid could a, enjoy a, it. A ten-year-old ten can watch Samurai Jack and a very get sophisticated from it. child could enjoy it. Yeah, yeah and the art, child. and the art style in and of itself is beautiful for children to watch too. I wouldn't say anyone about. who's looking for something loud and crazy they wouldn't like Samurai Jack as much. But anyways, we got really far away from Infinity Train. Yeah, we haven't so said a goddamn Infinity word about Train. that yet. It's about <laughs> my girl Tulip Olsen, who is voiced by the same woman that does Ellie from The Last of Us, Ashley Johnson. Um, I don't know if any of y'all no. have played The Last of Us. Just the first But one. as soon as you hear her voice, it's like, 
a warm blanket and like you feel like you're home. Like that's how it is for me. I, I love that game series. I would not describe The Last of Us as a warm blanket. It, well, hi, no, my name is Jessica. Back. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> 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 it's a warm blanket for me. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, that's, fine. Yes. Ult- that's, fine. that's perfectly fun. What's cool about this show, as Brody mentioned earlier, is that it is like an anthology series. So the first season, it's wrapped up how many episodes? Eight to ten? I want to say probably like eight to ten. Yeah. Eight to ten. They're ten-minute episodes. Um, so it's it's honestly, that's I'm going to put that in the category for that's good for adults. Um, <laughs> it's a ten-minute episode, so it's a really quick watch through. Because we're adults and we got things to do. In I have a lot of things to do, and I'd like to binge watch a season of a show in just a few hours. Yeah, really. Okay, it's so... It's not like, um, fucking Netflix's Stranger Things where it takes an entire day. Yeah. I'm down we're for talking. that. I'm down for that, though, too. Yeah, we're down for that, but we're talking... You really like, gotta you make your schedule work for it. You, you can knock this out really quickly. Um, so, Tula Bolson is a young girl. I think she's, like, 11 or 12. She's preteen. Preteen. Or, teen, or yeah. almost a teen. She could be 13. Okay. Yeah. She could be 13 or 14. She definitely her, goes to middle school. Yeah, her, her age is not super important. Um, but she is dealing with the recent divorce of her mother and father. Mm-hmm. That's a big theme for her and a big struggle for her throughout the first season. Tulip is only in the first season. Well, a version of Tulip. A not, version? Are we talking about variants right now? It gets a little crazier It, than it that. gets a little crazy. Oh my god, yes. But it's also not super important either, which is also wonderful. Yeah. I mean, like, it is, but it isn't. We're just focusing on the first, the first season, season or story. We're not going to get into all of them because they're all different. Mm-hmm. They're all different. Okay. Uh, so Tulip is a uh, up-and-coming, budding game programmer. She likes to make her own video games. It's her passion. And uh, Go she, Tulip. Yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. She wants to go to programming camp. There's a scheduling okay. conflict with her and her parents, so... She doesn't get to go. Mm-hmm. But being the stubborn girl that she is, she decides to, in a Wisconsin winter, to pack up all her things and head out on foot to go to Oshkosh in Wisconsin to go to programming camp. That That's sounds great. like a lot. A very similar um, uh Catalyst and introduction as uh, the Owl House. Well, yeah, but I, that's just like a trope at this point. It, it, it's a trope I'm, I'm very down for. Mm-hmm. So she's like stumbling through. It looks like Tundra, but it's just like the Wisconsin uh, It's just Wisconsin. It's just Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin, it'll kill you. Yeah, and she comes upon... There are cows that are frozen solid in the winter if you that, just leave that them really out. that really happen? I've heard about it. <laughs> I know it happened in Texas. Yeah. Recently. Really in Texas? Well, they yeah, have that I mean, huge ice storm. Have... A ton of animals died. Yeah, I mean, like negative twenties. That'll do it. Yeah. They also had that statewide power outage because they decided not to join the national power store. So and the whole time, God. Ted Cruz was like, "Man, Cancun's <laughs> nice." Cruz, Ted Cruz flew his family to like the fucking Caribbean or some shit. Yeah. 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 And he left his dog out. Fuck Ted Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Ted we, Cruz times two. Is Ted Cruz a homunculus? We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. That's actually a really good question. <laughs> T- Ted Cruz. Is he a homunculus? I mean, he definitely looks like a human, but we know for a fact he's not. Yeah. So yeah. the next best thing is a homunculus. He left his dog at home and left. He did leave his dog. The most homunculus. So took a picture of his house <laughs> that he was gone, and you could see his dog in the entryway, just staring out the window, like, oh. He left his dog alone in a home in the middle of the worst ice storm in recent Texan history. Oh yeah, and he left the entire with no state power. of Texas with no power. Yeah, but his dog. Yeah, but his, yeah, dog. But his dog. I don't care about Texans. No, anybody. No, we care about Austin. We care about Austin. Austin's, Austin's cool. Austin's yeah, cool. it's cool, but it's still Shout in Texas. Every, 
Um, no, shout out to Austin. Everybody in the Shout state. out to Austin. Austin, we don't want to be in Texas, but we are. <laughs> yeah, that's their slogan. Okay, so she comes upon a magical train. Is it like a, it's like a green light bloop? There it is. Or it just, she finds the train tracks and there's the train. Do you remember? I thought there was like a doorway or something, right? I don't remember a doorway. I like it. I think she literally just gets on the train or sneaks on it. Oh, yeah. But anyways, it's still like the same setup. She's transported to the magical train. It's a gigantic, like... Steam, I'm not, yeah, steampunking looking, but like if this, if like steampunk existed in the Soviet Union looking train, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it looks like. Soviet um, Union can build have you, shit. Are you familiar with Soviet Union like um, stru- uh, structure, architecture, and um, uh, this, like uh, statue art? It's what it looks like. Unfortunately, yes, I am. It's what take, it, er, take any urban planning class and you will hear the shit that the Soviets did, mm-hmm. especially in Cuba. So oh, what's God. special about this train is that um, inside each car, and there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars. I think it's infinite, right? Infinity train. Oh. <laughs> it's an infinite number of train cars. It's like each car is like a magical little universe. Right. Ooh. So there's like a... Built by the conductor. There's like an oh, entire cool. city in one car, and then there's in a jungle in the next one. And in one, there's like um, a whole kingdom of corgis. Oh, the corgi kingdom. What's the king's oh! name again? Atticus. Yeah, so Atticus, he's amazing, and he united the Pembrokes and the Cardigans together. <laughs> and I, I love, love that, that so much. He, no, he, he brought it. together the Pembroke and the Cardigan Corgis. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Oh, no, I love that. Yeah, so there's a bunch of different cars. It's, it's sort of in the vein of Adventure Time, but it's a little more grounded, but the wackiness in each car... Um, Brody's got a picture of Atticus. Yeah, this is Atticus. <gasps> I love him! He rules over an entire Roman Empire-looking yeah. kingdom that's all just corgis laying in the sun and shit. Yeah, uh, and then one just blows the horn all day. <laughs> oh, I love that, too. He's like, I does he do that him. all the time? And he's like, whenever he can. <laughs> I love him! It's dog society. Yeah, it's, it's dog perfect. society. I love him so much. Um, so the whole premise of the first season, at least, is Tulip is on this train and she's trying to figure out how to get off. She's got a mysterious glowing number on her hand. Mm, the numbers are important. The numbers are important. Are and they, though? Are they? They're no, very they, important. they are. Why? So the number represents how close you are to your exit car. So you have to basically walk around it, up and down this train it, to get off? It's not as it's, it's, simple it's, as It's that. not as simple as that. It's a little ambiguous in the show, but it's also kind of explained. It's like through you um, overcoming certain problems that you are facing in your life mm-hmm. and addressing them, okay. you will get closer to the car. Yeah. The reason why you go to the train in the first place is because of some sort of internal conflict. Yeah, some internal oh, conflict like that you're that. having. So Tulip, even though in the first season... There's she's the one of the only other humans that you see on the train. Mm-hmm. It is fair to say that there could be hundreds, if not thousands, and millions of other humans on the train. Oh yeah, going through their own journey to uh, solve a problem that they are having, um, either knowingly or unknowingly. Mm-hmm. And they don't really like talk about what the number is at first, right? No. So at I, first she just thinks like, oh, I just got to keep going through cars, and then the number will go down. She sees that that's not the case, though. Well, no, because the cars. 
lift up and move too. Mm -hmm. So like you think you could you could move a few cars up, but unbeknownst to Tulip, that car can get lifted up and moved back. Right. As well. So the cars shift in order. This is starting to remind me of Polar Express. It's nothing like Polar Express. It is is similar to it is similar to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, though. Okay. That's Okay. And a, a, a character in particular. Wait, hold on. The first Hitchhiker's Guide, because there's like several books. Are we talking about the movie? I've only seen the, the movie. movie. Yeah, the, the, the movie first... with Zoe Deschanel, Sam Rockwell, and what's his face? That guy. Um. Yeah, that guy. Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. Yeah, that movie. Ah, so you were not talking Martin about Short. the remake. Okay. 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 I got you. Yeah, I got you. But it's like that in general. So, but what I the the biggest parallel between them is uh, one of the main characters, One One, which mm. is um, like a yin and yang robot. He's a dual personality. He's got one depressed side and one really happy side, and he's kind of like Alan Rickman's sad robot companion from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love it. Yeah, one One is amazing. <laughs> I love One One so much. He's he. He's the comic relief and the voice of reason in the show. Yeah, he's right. all of that wrapped into one. One. Ha 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 ha. Anyways, the show is just wonderful. I, I, I can't speak enough to how um, amazing all the characters are. The voice acting is good. The um, different worlds created in each car. Um God, it's just like a creative boost of serotonin, is it yeah. not? Every well, time you get to see a new one. That is interesting because they always come up with like some super kooky thing with its own little rule set going on. Yeah, and you have to figure out the rule set. There's always the objective of like you have to move to the next car. You so want to like, move to the next car, but are we going to spend time in here? And some of them are like even like one is a bank branch that has pens and pencils that run it. Like <laughs> I mean, it gets it's a little Rick and Morty esque as well too. Well, you can do anything there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's 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 similar in uh, the. The themes. Mm-hmm. What kind of themes would you say like make it more grown up than your average kitty show? Oh gosh. Well, I mean, I guess fuck you spoilers right now. Yeah. Um, not necessarily uh, tulip struggles, although there probably you know there could be adults out there that are still uh, dealing with their parents uh, split. But kids have problems. But kids have problems. Yeah. So tulip is a direct representation of something that over half of all kids experience in this country mm-hmm. and how she deals with it and how she remembers it and what it means to her because there is a point in the story where the cat character who's wonderful becomes wonderful later you love to hate her yeah um, she's she's a menace for most there's part. a um, she's a cat of course she's a menace yeah duh yeah she ain't there, no atticus there's a um, <laughs> a corgi king that they have, like, only helps vcr tapes that they use as like a representation of like like, sort of like the memories of why you were here on the train. It's like a tool for the viewer to use. For Tulip, it was memories of her parents that she wasn't remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of realizing how maybe things weren't as happy and wonderful as I thought they were. And it was kind of a device for her to use to realize that. Huh. That's just with the divorce stuff, too. Then we have to get into the whole conductor thing, which is why I think it's a great... Um, show for adults too because you have the conductor or the pseudo conductor who is um i can't remember her name but she's an older woman who lost the love of her life and she is uh got on that train uh 
hijacked it pretty much mm-hmm. and has been using all of its resources to kind of rebuild her life so that she can live with her fiance again. Ouch. Yeah, it's really heavy shit. And uh, Tulip uh, becomes so mature by the end of the show where she, uh, at least the first season, when she's like, you know, it was easy to hate the conductor when I thought she was just a big scary robot, but now that I know she's a person that went through all this stuff, it's hard for me to hate her or want to fight her. And the thing that, like, I think is important is the conductor's number. Like, we always, like, the number is sort of like your character development before you can really get off the train. It is, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a literal numerical Her number is huge. It's a literal, literal numerical representation of where you are on the path of healing. She's fucked up so much that her number kind of covers half of her arm or something. Yeah, like, like she's never going to find her exit car. No. And, and at this point, I don't even, well, she doesn't really want to. Mm-hmm. And all that we know um, is that she's left on the train by the end of the first um, season. Yeah. She's the only one left? No, 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 okay. no, no. No, I mean, Tulip, Tulip gets home. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tulip, um... Now, one thing I was confused of at the end, it's like, I guess they just um, threw her back into a happier timeline because she gets to go to camp as soon as she gets back. Or I guess her parents figured it out or she's still on the fucking train. Well, at the oh, end... Are we are we in a moment where it's like... No, is I'm reading too real? much into it. Is this real or not? Are you still? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's real. Well, at the end, she doesn't. When she passes by that mirror, she doesn't have a reflection. Well, yeah, she doesn't have a reflection. Because... I know that 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 kind of ties into like what happens with book two with her reflection. Yeah, because her reflection is its own character. Now but that is kind off. of a good point where it's like maybe it is like that. Maybe it's a later day and she's just better okay with things, but. It does kind of like try to wrap things up in a bow. Just I, I would have liked it. I would have liked it more if she came back and was like, "You want to know what? I'm fine with not going to camp. I know you guys have. We all have to make compromises or something. I think that. Yeah. Would, I think that would have been. That would have been pretty mature. That would have been a better ending. I mean, I'm glad she got to go to programming camp, but I think the more adult ending would have been like, you know what, yeah. mom, dad, mom, I know you have to work a lot. Dad, I know you have a lot going on, and this is hard for all of us. Mm-hmm. We all have to make sacrifices. One thing I really like, and, and this that's hard for a kid though. Yeah. One thing I really like, and this shows up in, uh, I believe, season three, you were asking if there's, like, anyone else on there, and, like, in theory, there could be more people. There is a, in the second season, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there is that young, uh, like, jock guy. Oh, that's exactly where I'm going. Okay, sorry. Like, there is, yeah, there's the group called the Apex, and there are people who are on the train and have sort of been like, you know what, this is our new home, we're going to take what we want from the train and survive. And their idea is, oh, hey, the number on your hand, it's actually how good you are. And you're supposed to get the biggest number. Which is the opposite of what you want to do. Yeah. Oh, ouch. So there's this whole little, like, lost boy gang of kids who are just, like, raiding new car trains and shit like that. Because they know for a fact that the things on the train aren't real. They're not people. Right? Um, they are. Yeah. Well, we know that, but they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And I can't blame them for going down that road. And actually, uh, most people that were thrown in that situation, that's how they would end up. Yeah. And it's then you just, nature. And that just kind of opens things up to people being like, hey, I'm just going to fucking kill this guy because I know he came, the flies. he came from a train and he's not real. I'm going to fucking what they call wheeling someone, where it's exactly what they sound like. They throw someone under the wheels of the train. <gasps> yeah. People get murdered. People get murdered in this show on Cartoon Network. Can I just Network. say that there was a on, real, real life quick, example of Lord of the Flies? And the group of boys who ended up in the situation 
did far better than the book. Well, good. Like, they, they ended up taking care Bar's of Bar's pretty low, but yeah. Yeah. They ended up taking care of... One of them broke, like, a bone or something, and the boy, the other boys took such good care of him to the point where it's like, when they were rescued, that the doctor who saw to him, the boy who broke his arm, or whatever bone it was in the article, the doctor was like, there's nothing I can do because there's nothing I need to do. The boy was so well taken care of and his bone like healed so well. Good or job. is healing so well. I don't have to do anything. That's nice. Uh, most people would be at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. I, I like to be positive sometimes. That, sometimes. Yeah, that book would have been a lot spoken. shorter if that were the case. Yeah, that's not spoken for Zombie Rose. No. Zombie Rose will eat you for sustenance. Yeah, so there's um, adult themes and uh, that I, we can all relate to uh, on top of the trippy, hallucinogenic absurdity that are the train cars, which I know we all find appealing in um, cartoons, or I know I, I at least do. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's the Tulip, who perfectly relates to the struggles of a lot of teens and preteens. She's a very relatable character, wonderful personality, and... Um, I think she's a great so role model for young men and women. It's really good. And I like it. Once again, it's short and quick. I like it. Which is the best. A lot of things that we can really observe from a lot of these shows that are meant to be from kids, but really, you know, it's for it's a it's mature weird. audience still enjoy. Oh, it. I have Forever. another honorable mention, and it's Over the Garden Wall. Yes, Ooh. we forgot about Over the Garden Elijah Wall. Elijah Wood's voice acting is so good at that. I didn't know it was Elijah Wood. Yeah, I gotta but... watch it. I'm pretty sure it's Elijah Wood. Let me double check. I'll that. take your word for it. I'm pretty sure it's Elijah Wood. Mm-hmm. Gertie is attacking. I know we've got one more thing to discuss today. Yeah, so we've been talking a lot about cartoons, and they've been around for a while, stewing in the brains of people who would later go on the internet. <laughs> and, and we all know what the internet does. The internet likes to ponder, hypothesize, hypothesize, and create crazy fucking fan theories. Yeah, it's Elijah Wood. Sorry, guys. And oh we yeah. Will, we'll, and I compiled a little list, uh, some of them regarding things we've discussed and other things we have not discussed. Yeah, exactly. I just picked the ones from our favorite cartoon shows and things and uh, just wanted to see, get the good. I just want to get the general yay or nay as to whether or not these are valid. I'm down. Let's go. All right. So I'm going to start with one that's pretty uh, popular. Bikini Bottom is a nuclear testing site, and yes. all the characters of SpongeBob are radio radioactive. Yes, yes you believe yes. that? Um, well, in the movie, don't they leave Bikini Bottom? Mm-hmm. Yes, and they're the same. Mm-hmm. They're all they're all weird fish. Yeah. Could we even take this a step further and say that Bikini Bottom exists in the same universe as Adventure Time? Possibly. No. No. I mean, like, no, wait, that no, there are parallels there. There is, like, wait, a weird but, nuclear but bomb that kind of turns... In the first movie, David Hasselhoff's in it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's one is Nickelodeon and the other one is... So matter. what? Yeah, that doesn't matter. It's a theory. Yeah, it's a theory. That doesn't matter. I'm going to say no on Jess's part, but yes to the whole nuclear part. I'm going to say, if I'm going to say yes to it being nuclear, it might as well be the same kind of nuke that turned candy a human. Yeah, because <laughs> well, we wouldn't really know too much because Finn hates the water. That's true. There's not that many underwater David episodes. David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff can be in Adventure Time. I'm not he's saying, not, not but, he's he's not. Dead, but, but no, he's I'm. Dead. But the point is, it's not the nuke. It's a testing site. 
I, I, I like testing site more. All right. Yeah, I like testing site more. I do agree. It could be a testing site for the nuke that eventually, possibly. But in the first SpongeBob movie, I, I don't know if there's other ones, but they ride David Hasselhoff's back. Hey. And they do end up in like a bait shop getting sold where they are literally yeah. just depicted on the overworld as a regular sponge, which is hilarious, and yeah. a starfish. Yeah. Was anyone else so really something to be said about that? Was anyone else really confused when they first saw a, a sea sponge and was like, "This looks nothing like a sponge." No. Yeah. The, so, they, they do reason, get sponges from the sea, though yeah. fancy mm-hmm. ones, like I the really nice how, ones you see yeah, at like Williams like, and I Sonoma. I knew what a sea sponge actually looked like before. Prior. You Prior to Spongebob? So you saw Spongebob and thought, this is bullshit. His parents look more like sea sponges. Oh, fun fact. Did you know that the um, creator of Spongebob is a marine biologist? Oh, yeah. No, he totally like does a lot of homework for this show. That, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he's a marine biologist. I will subscribe to testing site, but the only reason I don't fully buy into it is because in the, the movie, in the overworld, they look like a regular starfish and a sponge. Yeah. All right, so general yay or nay? I'm going to say nay, yeah. Yay and nay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm getting too caught up on the movie. I'm gonna I am say nay. nay just because I figured that would really change the landscape. Like- Fan theory number two, and this relates to Avatar The Last Airbender. Hey! Monk Gyatso used a forbidden technique to kill firebenders when they attacked. So I kind of thought about this. When we first see... Uh, Aang visiting his old home temple. He realizes that everyone there is dead, and we find a chamber where we see Monk Yatso's skeleton surrounded by a bunch of firebender skeletons. We don't really get enough information about Gyatso's fighting style, though. Well, we don't really know much about any uh, airbending fire style because they're all pacifistic spiritual monks. However, what's stopping... If I, can, if I can control the air in a room, and they did find him in a very tight room, mm-hmm. what's stopping him from creating a vacuum chamber that'll kill everybody? Oh, cool. Right? <laughs> no, because we do see one of the prior airbenders talk to Aang. And with the episode I mentioned where he talks to the um, lion turtle, mm-hmm. he actually summons a bunch of his past lives, from Roku to Avatar Kyoshi. And we, we see actually, another uh, we airbender. We actually see another airbender. Another it's airbending like, avatar, yes. Aang is like, maybe, okay, Kyatsu uh, doesn't understand, Roku doesn't understand, perhaps another airbender will. Mm-hmm. And the airbender says, whatever you have to do, you should do it to preserve the balance. Right, that's more advice for an avatar than an actual airbender, though. Yes, but she's still an airbender, though. Yes. So that says while you don't you shouldn't seek out violence you should at the very least continue to defend oneself walk softly and carry a big stick right and then monk softly right speak but softly, speak softly. but in my case if you were monkey Yatso and you knew that the world was ending and you saw a big room of people who were about to kill you after they just killed all the rest of your people you, you might have a test of spirituality. You might let loose a little bit. You might fucking off some firebenders. I mean, I don't. we don't really see enough about Gyatsu's fighting style. Mm-hmm. We see his teachings. We see some of his spiritualism that Aang wanted to remember. We have to, like, when it comes to Avatar, 
the last airbender, we have to remember that this is told from the point of Aang, specifically. Mm -hmm. He's a very spiritual person. He's a very pacifist person. So what he specifically remembers is going to be more pacifist. It's going to be more spiritualistic. It's going to be more based on how he remembers versus how the world is. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like a conflict for Avatar in general is like adapting to the world and growing you know growing up yeah i would also say that airbending is the one bending form that we know the least about yeah just because there's only ang there's only ang and we only see a small bit about gyatsu so i'm calling bullshit on this i'm totally believe it i totally believe that there's more to airbending that he may have known that he's saved for the worst possible situation which would have been that i don't think we have enough information to then how the firebenders die i i don't think that we have enough information to say that gyatsu was a pacifist you know what i still say yay i say nay just i have no opinion on this you abstain yeah i abstain from a thought i just think well if there's any reasonable doubt you know yeah i have reasonable doubt for this one here's another good one that i totally believe this is for steven universe oh Uh, i'm going to abstain yeah, gem placement matters in determining a gem's personality. Um, because you think they of, get to decide where their gem goes. They get to decide every part of it. They're just light refractions. The gems are. Their physical forms are. It's explained pretty well in the show. But you can't ignore that there is a correlation between it. I think it's used as an artistic form to kind of show personality. Like, it's just used. Mm-hmm. Because you think of characters like Lapis and Pearl, who both have them right on their forehead, they, of course, are more logical. Mm-hmm. Steven and Amethyst are both have them right in their stomach. They, of course, go off their, like, instincts or gut reactions. Yeah, I think that's just, um, like, was an aesthetic choice. But if we're talking about within the realm of the show, the way it's described to me is the gems get to entirely decide however... How, that's why they're genderless. They, they are just physical representations of Hell light yeah and they get to decide how they want to be formed is that a nay from you huh is that a yay i'm gonna say nay, nay. I, I think i think well artistically there was some thought put into it but within the realm of the show they get to decide how they're represented physically all and right. if this changes up her look all the time they're always changing their clothes I, I, it, it's a decision the gyms get to make all right i have say okay Here's like, one why that... would the one ruby have, like... Because all the rubies have them in different locations, too, and they have similar personalities. When you get... Not... When you get... Well, there's Eyeball, who's way more murderous than everyone else. Well, yeah, but it's true. But you know what I mean. Like, all the... For the most part, all of the... Um, I'll just call them factory version gyms mm-hmm. <laughs> that haven't been living their own lives, that have gone straight to the kindergarten. You mean to the fil- clones? No. No. Moving on to the next one. Uh, the Jetsons and the Flintstones take place in the same society. That is... No, that... I love that. that. No, no. That's actually been confirmed by Cartoon Network. Has it really? Yeah. There is a crossover between the Jetsons and... There the is a Jetsons-Flintstones crossover. But isn't that a time travel thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. So, it, so the Flintstones... Oh, so then it didn't. So, no. No, no. So, there is... The Flintstones are the ancestors to the Jetsons, and there is a time travel crossover... That proves that they are connected. Mm-hmm. The theory I found was that the Jetsons live in the sky, and if you go down to the ground, you're going to find the Flintstones. It's because to... they they have to be up in the sky because it's all landfills below. 
Well, or landfills filled with what? <laughs> dinosaur bones. Yeah. No, they have di- they have real dinosaurs. That would create such a depressing hierarchy of existence. Oh, absolutely. But you kind of like that happen, shitty right? Matt Damon movie Elysian. Oh yeah. yeah, that's exactly what it is. But explain to me then why they celebrate Christmas in the caveman times. Well, because that show came out in what the 1960s, and everything yeah. had to be Christian. Yeah. Then how yeah, come they have cars and jobs and trying to recreate the society of the above that's ground? That's because nobody knew what a Neanderthal was. And yes, it is Neanderthal, not Neanderthal. I'm gonna still say Neanderthal. Take that. Take that, internet. I like that. Take theory, that, though. print media. I like, I like that theory. I think it's fun, and I think it makes both shows a lot more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but there is, I do. I am a Jetsons fan, though. Mm-hmm. I do but like there the Jetsons. Is a lo- I'm gonna say nay because there is a logical reason. Cartoon Network has already addressed, yeah, specifically Boomerang has already addressed this in their time travel episode where the Jetsons do go back. My God, time. you watch a lot of Boomerang. Uh, that was my childhood. How do you think I ended up watching every Scooby Doo episode? That's true. I also am going to say nay just because as fun of an idea it is, I just don't believe it. It's not believable. I'm going to say yay just because I like how depressing it makes it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I have another uh, avatar. I have two avatar theories oh, I want to talk about real quick. I'm going to I'm gonna start with the juicier of the two. Uh, Sozin killed the dragons to hide the true firebending natures. Are these real dragons or people? No, dragons. real dragons. Like straight up, like eat, like Chinese that. dragons. No, I believe that too. I can believe that. Twice. I believe it too. It's believed that the dragons were killed off, as sort of in sport, but they mm-hmm. were saved, and they taught Aang and Zuko the true meaning of firebending. Yeah, Iroh becomes what is it? The dragon something. The dragon of the dragon West. of the West. Dragon of the West, because he's known as the guy the who Master killed the last dragon. of the dragons. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who killed the last dragon. I did not like that. Brody is glaring at me right now. I I can believe that. That was over Mm -hmm. Rose's head. Yes, yes, it went over my head. Because because you're pure and innocent. Because you're pure and innocent like Buddy the Elf. elf. And I'm like Buddy the Elf's angry dad. But that's another reason, (laughs) going back to Avatar, that's that's another adult thing that I like about this show. It teaches critical race theory. You're but not I'm wrong. Bum, bum. It, I like it. It straight up does. Everyone, everyone's fucking freaked out by the real reality of it. But no, we have a very good example that's not offensive to anyone that shows that hey, people kind of make society to control things like that. Yes. People will commit. People will kill off an entire breed of dragons just to show that their way is right. You know, there are always exceptions to the rule. Iroh is one, and so is Zuko. Well, Iroh tried to save them. That's the thing. Zuko ends up with a dragon. Yeah. Sort of thing. And they learned that... I they, just would like to they also say that, that you guys haven't mentioned dragons once before. Because and we've talked about important. this show a lot. It actually wasn't important. It's in book three, Fire. So, I say yay. I say yay. Jess? Convinced? Yeah. Yay. Awesome. I have another... Um, uh, Avatar theory. Uh, Iroh uses tea as an example of balance between all the elements. Yes! Yes! Uses I earth. agree! It comes from the earth, you put it in the water, you heat it up with fire, and you blow on it before you drink it. Yes! I like that. That's he's just cute. Always, he's always drinking tea. And when they put like, to the earth bending king, the earth kingdom, 
And the first thing he does is drink some hot tea. Mm-hmm. Even though it was served cold. That definitely goes back to what we were talking about. Of everyone kind of mastering the elements in their own way. I totally yeah. say yay. I say yay. I say yay too. I don't know a lot about it, but, but that makes fucking perfect sense. Um, There was another one. And that's basically all the ones I had on my list that I knew we could open up a discussion for. I found a lot that just said like... It was a lot like, oh, yeah, and every character in this show is a figment of someone's imagination. Or is dead. I hate that. Or yeah. is, like, dead or... In know, purgatory or it was all a dream. I hate that so or much. Or they're high as hell. That, that's not creative. It was all a dream is, like, the worst cop-out you can ever do. The worst possible uncreative way to wrap up a story. Because it, you can do that for unless, anything. Unless it's, like... Percy Jackson, where it's like a prophetic theme or m- prophetic uh, dream. But well, what they would you did do that if... in Twilight too, and people yeah. loved it, but I yeah. hated it. Oh, that I, that sucked in Twilight where too. It's like, yeah, you know, it could happen, and it is you, like you think this whole amazing battle is going to take place, but it's actually just in Alice's vision that she's showing one of the Volturi. Yeah, but what would you but do if, nothing. like, after the very first book of Percy Jackson? He just wakes up and it's like, oh, he was on the bus the whole time having a dream. It's stupid. Wouldn't you feel lost? Wouldn't you feel like you just wasted so much time? Wouldn't you feel like you got played as a sucker? No. That is that is how it makes you feel, yeah. No? No. How would you make, would you enjoy that ending? I would actually find it fascinating. If, if but none he's of still, it was real but and he's, he just woke up on a bus. But he woke he, up on, so and he's still he's just himself. He doesn't have any character development. He just goes home and his dad beats him. He makes some mac and cheese, watch cartoons, and goes to bed. And there's he's not special. He's just as ordinary as he was before, and none of it meant anything. Very upsetting. Yeah, that would still be fascinating to me. In, in the to context, you. In the context of Percy Jackson, that'd be incredibly fascinating. It would be a total antithesis to everything that the book stands for from what you described it to me. Yeah, it would be, which is why it's so fascinating. You're a confusing person. Yeah. I, I'm very, you know, I'm... You're an enigma. I'm an enigma. All right. Do you guys have any fun fan theories you want to just throw out there real quick? No. This is also the last episode before I go to Mexico. Yeah. So, if I don't make it back, let's, you know, Oh, hope. oh my God, stop. No. You think you're going to get taken? <laughs> I'm Buddy the Elf, but in a female form. That's cool. I'll get on the you phone really and say, I, won't be I have a very, you know, I don't want to go into the dark reality of it. set of skills. You think I won't be taking Brody? I, if you stay with your family and people. Oh and my if, God, you're going to be on a resort the whole time, just snorkeling and scuba diving with your dad. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And if not, we have specific skills that will. Hopefully you find me. Yeah, hopefully. You know. Well, you have no social media, so there's absolutely no way to ping you anyway. Okay, then I got No, nothing. I have one. No, I have one social media. It's, no, Tumblr does not count. <laughs> Tumblr, yeah, no. Tumblr does not count. You might as well use Messenger Pigeons. <laughs> messenger Pigeons would be more efficient. <laughs> I would I would not be able to ignore a Messenger Pigeon. No, you no. can't. Oh my god, did somebody send me a I do Game of Thrones with ravens because I think they're smarter, but... Yes. Ravens are messenger pigeons. I would panic if I got a random messenger pigeon from somebody. I think I, it might make my year or life... I would yeah. panic. But no. That's so if I return. If I don't, I, I have a This is such a morbid way to end today's session, Rose. It's kind of on point, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to talk about hypothetically dying in a plane crash, not you. Oh, no, you're talking about getting kidnapped. 
not yeah, you're not worried about the plan at all. No, I'm not. <laughs> In the meantime, we wish y'all thank you for watching us and Flamio Hot Man. Flamio Hot Man. Brody, where can they contact us? Oh, right. Questions, comments, concerns. Crazy fan theories, perhaps? Or cookie recipes. Cookie cookie recipes recipes or ways that you can save Rose from possible kidnappers. You can do that at oneframeoff at gmail.com. That's oneframeoff at gmail.com. Flamio Hot Man. Flamion. Flamion. Flareon. Bye, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to be included.